My name is Matt Brown. This team blows. Mac has a noodle arm. And let's start the show. Dak was what to the 49ers? It's only right I say it again. Ass. <laughs> the truth is, he's not that good. Pick. 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 You can't win like that. It should have been three picks. You can't win with a guy like that. Everybody, the world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023, and we're about to give you a stellar show on week five in the NFL. But I want to just take a serious moment to address something, and we are all aware of what's going on in Israel right now. And I have a statement that I'd like to say. I'm going to say this on the tweet cap on Thursday, as it is our current event show. And even though the tweet cap is about the more fun and leisure things happening in our world, we're having a very tragic and very heartbreaking environment we are witnessing that's taking place. And the statement is as follows. Our heart breaks for the people captured and killed in the Hamas terrorist attacks this past week. Everyone who works on these shows hopes for a quick resolution to the conflict in Israel and for the death and desolation gripping the region to end just as quickly. We support justice and a path of peace that spares the lives of innocent people and families. So just want to say that. And... I just hope I just hope this all ends very soon. I just want to leave it at that. So just switching on to other things, I do want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding the show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter and X at ProdCovopod, and we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. And Facebook at Productive Conversations. So Week five was absolutely bonkers. We had a lot that took place. Some upsets, not really. A lot of dominant victories, yes there were. But it was no doubt bonkers. And having said that, we have a lot of incredible content coming your way in just a few moments. So we go through all of the games of week five, look ahead to week six to make some predictions. I really think you'll like our analysis for this one. It's very, very stellar. So why don't we get into it? Hayden Nadler, Alex Ranelio, Nico Nocera. Why don't we talk about what happened in week five in the NFL. So let's get to it. Alex, Nico, and Hayden, it's your guys' turn. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. What is going on, everybody? Week five of the NFL is behind us. And my God, where do we start? One team's dominating the hell out of everybody. One team's embarrassing themselves. In fact, there's multiple teams like this. And there's a lot to get into, so why don't we just get into it right here, right now, with Alex Ranelio, Nico Nocera, and Hayden. Uh, why, why did I forget your name for a second? Hayden Nadler. I was so amazed by that beautiful backdrop that I lost my train of thought for a second. But again, we have Hayden, Nico, and Alex here. What's going on, guys? Uh, not much. 
Hello, gentlemen. Happy to be back. Sam, let's do it. Let's have an episode. Yes, sir. Let's have an episode. And let us begin by talking about the New York Jets once again as they played the Denver Broncos at Mile High City. And in a game that was sloppy on both sides, we did see one team prevail, though. We saw an improved Zach Wilson play. Even though there are still things to improve on, he did play much better. And he was also pretty clutch, so give credit to him. The Jets' defense really does help decide games, including a crucial game-ending fumble that Russell Wilson lost in his grasp and helped the Jets seal the deal. And speaking of that, it seems that Russell Wilson is on a rotier irrelevancy. His time in Denver is not what we expected. And you have John Payton with such a disastrous start for his Denver Broncos starting at 1-4. I mean, what is the bigger story here, guys? The Denver Broncos turning into a mighty, mighty joke or the Jets keeping their season alive and making things relevant. Good for them. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll start here. Um, before I start, actually, I, I want to address something actually kind of serious. Um, with the events going on with Israel and the Middle East, I just want to put it put it out there that um, I stand with Israel and what's going on right now. It's a very scary time. And although it's... Uh, Although we want to talk about football and everything, that's very scary. It's going on there, and uh, I just want to show my support for the people of, Is- of Israel. Um, it's a really tough time for a lot of Jews, m- myself included. Um, so I just want to put that out there um, to start. Um, going on about the uh, going on about the game. Um, every single year, this guy Sean Payton has proven that he is the most overrated coach ever. He's so overrated. He talks about Nathaniel Hackett with the worst coaching job ever. Um, he's doing even worse. Even worse, every game that the Broncos have lost by has been by more than one score uh, so far. Broncos have lost games that they've got destroyed by Miami. Miami put up a 70 spot on them. You lost to Zach Wilson at home. Um, you lost, and, and then you just basically just spent all offseason criticizing Nathaniel Hackett, only, lose, only to lose to the same coordinator, right? You give up 177 yards in the ground versus, versus, um, versus the Jets. Uh, Zach Wilson threw for 199 yards. Although, basically, I, I didn't love the pick that he threw, um, uh, but there was also a back shoulder throw. But I'll, I'll also take that because I felt like it was it was a throw that I feel like at least they were taking a shot. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Um, just some key takeaways that I saw. Um, Zach Wilson can make big-time throws. He, he had to throw to Tyler Conklin at third and four. Um, he's still prone to mind-numbingly mind numbingly drawingly numbingly mistakes. The terrible clock management failing, failing to spot, spike the ball or throw it out of bounds with 15 seconds left to not secure points. That, like I talked about that interception, I would say it's more on, more on the fact that Pat Sertan just made a phenomenal play. Um, Brees Hall is still that dude. If they want to compete with Philly, they got to give him 25, 30 carries in my opinion and run the offense straightly through him. Xavier Gibson sh- showed his youth a lot with a fumble and a muff punt. The D-line took the game over with multiple sacks of Russ. Uh, Quincy Williams is becoming one of the best linebackers in the game with strip sack and Bryce Hall. Two of them up for a score. The O-line still a major work in progress. Um, stepped up in the run-blocking game, however, and helped pave some big holes for Bryce Hall. And some of the things I think the Jets still have to work on, too, is third down defense, third and long. This is the second consecutive game, okay? I understand they got that huge stop and they won the game with Quincy Williams that forced fumble, but this is the second consecutive game, which they've given up third and 15 or longer. Um, 
three times in crunch time. That that absolutely cannot happen. You got to get it off the field. But they did force the play, force the big play, and force several turnovers. So um, I think this is more in the fact that Denver is just a dumpster fire right now. Um, Sean Payton keeps running his mouth, and he's just the biggest clown in all in all football right now. Guy's a joke. Um, but big win. I mean, anytime you win a game in the NFL, it's a huge deal as, as a Jet fan. But um, on to Philly. And there's no reason, in my opinion, why we can't beat Philadelphia. Although Philadelphia is 5-0, and you know, they're going to lose some games eventually. So why can't that be versus us at home um, and that D-line? And hopefully we can run the ball with Brees Hall. Um, terrible loss to Vera Tucker and the offensive line. It's going to be huge. So I'll let, uh, I'll let you guys add on to that. But those are just some of my key takeaways from the, the Jets game as a Jet fan. Absolutely, Hayden. And also just want to add to, and speaking, not just speaking for Alex and Nico, but I'm sure they feel the same way that we are here with you, Hayden. We no doubt hope for a better future was going on in the conflict in the Middle East. And we just do not support anybody who is taking innocent lives, no matter what age or what gender you are. But we are with you, Hayden. Just want to say that both on and off the screen. And having said that as well, and adding to it, the big thing here, Hayden, and the, I think also not only with Denver becoming such a dump, dumpster fire it is, but the fact that the Jets show that they can have a pulse going into this season and um, and how that is encouraging as well, for sure. And um, yeah, I think even though, like I said, the games, the game may have been sloppy on both sides. It wasn't matter who won the most, and you at least could get out of it. And even with these rumbling of trade rumors of um, with Justin Jefferson's injury, and if uh, if um, and if uh, Kirk Cousins is on the move, and if he goes to the Jets, but let's be real, he's probably not going to get dealt. They're going the whole way, Zach Wilson, and understandably so. But at least it shows moving forward as we get it deeper to October or November. And we know the name of the game is to play meaningful games in December in this league. The Jets can at least show they got something there compared to like my team, for instance. Or mine. <laughs> no, it, um, yeah. So, I, I mean, Hayden hit on most of the biggest points. I thought that this was a big coming out party for the new season for Brees Hall. Um, I thought that he bludgeoned this defense, controlled the clock, controlled the game. Um, if you look at this, pretty much the remaining stats across the board, the meaningful stats, you, know, it, you would almost think that this game was a draw, but um, the reality is that Denver just made too many turnovers. Um, you know, they uh, they let the Jets push them around on the offensive line. And um, Zach Wilson wasn't asked to overextend himself. I mean, yeah, he made a few mistakes, um, but the reality is you can see his progressions getting better week by week. And uh, um, they, they look like they they look like a winning football team. Yeah, um, Alex and Hayden basically hit everything uh, regarding this game, but. Uh, my personal biggest takeaway was the play of the offensive line by the Jets. Um, I think the Jets offensive line really got some confidence after this week that they're like, you know what? We might not be the best team that we can't pass protect that well. Let's run the ball. Um, Hayden hit on it earlier. I think if Brees Hall gets 25, 30 carries a game, they can be in any single game um, from here out um, for the rest of the season. Um, one thing I will say that just absolutely can happen, um, two things I have, but um, – that end of the half, I know Hayden talked. Oh yeah, about. no, that was that was atrocious. That situational yeah, gameplay was awful. That's just, that's that, that, that cannot happen. You have to five you have years. to spike that ball, or you have to throw it out of bounds. Like you, you can't that yeah. play can't happen. Exactly. But then, and that's like, and, and those plays, like, granted, you played Denver, who has 
the worst defense through five weeks we've ever seen, in my opinion. But um, if you like this game versus Philadelphia, a mistake like that will cost you everything. You can't have that happen. And, and the red zone offense has to improve. You can't come away with field goals or Philly. They're, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna turn those into points. Absolutely. And yeah. And then one other thing I also want to touch on is uh, biggest uh, asshole of the year so far award goes to Sean Payton. You can't come in it's making good. these comments. Can't be Don't saying get me him. He's, he's a he's a joke. He's a joke. I, I was a Sean Payton guy. I was always a Sean Payton guy until this year. Um, you can't come in saying these things, making these claims, and then playing against Hackett. This is what you're gonna do. You're gonna lose to the Jets. Um, Zach Wilson's a, a massive question mark, and you're gonna let Brees Hall. They had 200 plus yards rushing as a team, but Brees Hall alone had 177 yards. And on paper, so far, besides the Giants, the Jets have not had a great offensive line, but they dominated up front. Both ways, D-line and O-line, the Jets just dominated both sides of the ball, um, and that was something I was very impressed to see from the Jets. Russell Wilson, is it over yet? Are we seeing? Are we seeing? Um, I don't even know the the. Um, are we seeing the beginning the of the, the end? Wall. I don't think we're somebody. I don't think we're seeing the writing on the wall for the beginning again. I think we're just getting a more realistic picture of who he is. I think that he was definitely held up and propped up by Pete Carroll and that um, that defense. They gave him a really very fortunate and opportunistic offense there up in Seattle. And his best days were there because of not only his career trajectory, but the system that was around him. So I think, I think this is not necessarily – um, showing that it's the end for him in his career. I think there's always a place for guys like him in the NFL. I just think you're getting a more realistic and more accurate read on who, what his contribution is to a winning team or if he can do so. Let me ask a bold question. Russell Wilson decides to retire today. Is he a Hall of Famer? Um, yeah. Boy, it's tough. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say no way. I think he has to have a winning season in Denver for him to be all famer. That's all it takes. I do. I think maybe I don't know. Turn it around. They have to turn it around because I feel like it's kind of destroyed his legacy. But if if he would have just retired after not going to to Denver, he probably would have been a Hall of Famer based off his stats in in Seattle. There, there was. I agree. There was a four year stretch where, granted, they only had one ring. Where the Seahawks were the team you did not want to see. They were arguably no, the he best was, team. In- he was the best player. He was one of the best quarterbacks from probably 2012 to about 2019. It really was in the league. In the league. It, it really was Super Bowl 49. That interception changed the whole trajectory. Literally watching the moment, that really. That really changed so many people's careers. That really is a historic moment, a top 10 historic moment, arguably, in the entire league. That one play. I'm sure we look at him a lot differently if uh, they if they gave Marshawn Lynch the ball or if he somehow converted, but it looked yeah, like I mean, they would, had two, would have had two Super Bowls. So, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting argument. We'll move on in a second, but did you happen to see one of my new favorite podcasts, Club Shay Shay, uh, Shannon Sharp with Marshawn Lynch, and here on Marshawn's side yeah, of the story. He, he basically said that, like, you know, what Russell Wilson wasn't a guy who you could talk to. He's. Yeah, and that, that stuff helps. That really affects you, treating people the way you want to be treated. But also, the thing that, that stuck out the most to me was after that play, 
goes in the locker room. He said, now I guess this really is the way you quote unquote should approach the situation when you throw a Super Bowl losing interception for a whole, you know, franchise and city. And, you know, that'll be remembered forever, arguably more than your Super Bowl win, destroying the Broncos. But he simply said after throwing that, well, get him next time. And then you just hear Marshawn Lynch just go to Pete Carroll's face and laugh at him. I mean, shit. The things we do, gentlemen, with sports, the littlest thing changes a whole lifetime of perception. So let us keep going with that. On Sunday night, we had the 49ers destroy the Dallas Cowboys. It was amazing. Dak Prescott looked absolutely atrocious, and we loved it. The Cowboys defense had a really bad game, and Dak did nothing to help. And uh, the 49ers, as I said last week, they're close to their way to the playoffs. Brock Purdy could arguably be a top 10 quarterback at this point. He has his top weapons as long as they're healthy, and it seems to make it work with other weapons as well. He's getting protected. The man has some great football IQ, still undefeated in the regular season, 10-0, I believe, 10-0 or 11-0. And his one loss was from an early game injury hurting his elbow, Miles Jack. Oh, not Miles Jack, but um, um, what's his name from the Eagles? Broke his elbow. Anyways, um, and this guy is, is nothing but winning, and I think he's better than what Jimmy G ever was. And uh, you have to be re- feeling really comfortable right now with Brock Purdy's play. Um, I want to talk about that first. Brock Purdy and the 49ers, is he really convincing you that, man, this guy can play in this league, Mr. Irrelevant? Absolutely. Um, I think he's doing exactly what he has to do. He's getting the ball to the playmakers, not turning the ball over, just playing smart football. Very good situationally. Um, he, he just knows the game of football, and he's playing smart. He knows that he doesn't have to throw a jump balls to Debo. He doesn't have to throw the ball to Ayuk. He checks it down if he needs to. He's not going to force anything. He plays the right game, and they're going to win games. Um, and, and I really think this game, more than anything, say how Dak did play bad and say what you want about the Cowboys, just really, to me, showed that San Francisco is the best team in the NFL, and it mm-hmm. might not be close. Might not be. And, you know, adding to that with the Dallas aspect, though, I ask with Dak's poor play, the only thing, Dallas has defeated three teams so far. It were the Jets, Giants, and Patriots, who some people may consider weaker teams in the league. You know, the Jets jury's still out. But does that but with Dallas's play lately, you know, Michael Parsons hasn't been as dominant, for instance. CeeDee Lamb seems to never be getting the ball. Tony Pollard is here and there. They just lost Vanarest, which is gonna be a huge deal. And we definitely thoughts of prayers. That neck injury was nasty. I don't know if you saw. Oh, he just compressed it on Miles on um I'm like a Parsons soldier and really hope he's makes a full recovery. But they have that, they lose um they also lost. They lose digs on defense. It's, it's, it's not a good situation over there, and um, they really need to figure this out. What, are, what are thoughts on Dallas after the first five weeks after this past game and everything that's gone on with them? Um. Well, I think they, they got humbled. Um, kind of what we alluded to. San Francisco is, you know. Um, far and away, not only the best team in the NFC, but the best team in the league, quite frankly, through five weeks. Um, they're kind of exactly where I thought they would be and even more impressive um, than that. And the numbers bear it out. But I think that Dallas kind of got humbled. Um, they'll lick their wounds. They'll get back up for next week's game. But um, 
you know, the, the, the offensive the, the offense numbers were abysmal. Um, Dak got exposed. He missed routine throws. I've, I've said it repeatedly over the years before his contract was uh, solidified. And Brock Purdy is the real deal. You know, he it's a, it's, it's, an, it's a perfect storm for him because he kind of has like the uh, the he kind of has the Brady effect. He's got the coach. He's got the perfect roster to, to walk into. He just does, has to stay out of his own way. And um, they'll be easily walking back into the Super Bowl if he can do that. So. I thought this was just, you know, another statement game to show how dominant they could be. They had a real big flex at home. And um, <clears throat> I was very impressed with what I saw on all, all three phases of the game from San Francisco. Um, I'll talk a little bit about San Francisco. Um, I think San Francisco is a dominant team. I agree with everything you guys said. I think they're right now they're the best team in the NFC at this point in time this point in time right now. Um, that being said, I haven't really seen a team really hit them in the mouth and punch them. Um I'm telling you, I think Detroit's going to actually be a pretty tough matchup for them stylistically. Um, I don't really think they're personally going to be ready for Detroit to really hit them in the mouth and really go after them because, in my opinion, the NFC isn't full of a bunch of dogs. Um, I think Philly has proven that they're they're a little bit more battle-tested in adversity. I haven't seen that personally yet from San Francisco, so I can't really just assume that they're just going to waltz their way into the Super Bowl. I actually don't. I think... I think they're going to have a hard time with with uh, teams like Detroit and uh, Philly teams that are physical with great D lines, um, great offensive lines that can be able to neutralize um, San Francisco. Um, I don't think it's a kickoff they're going to make the Super Bowl. I don't. Uh, I think they're going to have a great regular season, but um, I think when you have a team like that that's really been able to waltz through the first five games, hasn't really been punched in the mouth yet or tested. Um, I think they're going to. I think they're going to be in for it a little bit. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Um, I'm actually pretty impressed with what I've seen from Detroit and Philly. Um, even the NFC South, too. I, I actually think it's been pretty interesting that Tampa, Atlanta, and New Orleans are all teams that I feel like really hit you and make it a very physical game. So um, I personally am not going to sit here and say that I think San Francisco is is going to also be able to take that um, easily. I, I don't. I think they're going to lose a couple of games couple of games um if i'm looking through the schedule i think they could lose to philly i I think seattle is going to be a tough game you know there's certain teams i think even the washington commanders with their d-line gonna give them a little bit of problems so we'll see um i I don't think they're gonna waltz their way to the super bowl i don't i think it's gonna be tough for them and brock purdy still has to prove that he's the guy because even though last season you know they had a great run still got hurt you know philly still beat them and you know, you can't really, I, I can't personally just put them in the Super Bowl unless I see how, how they uh, deal with adversity because they haven't really had any so far. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you're withholding uh, Hayden. Um, San Francisco being the shoe in favorite as the best team in the league right now because. Um, no, they're, they're the best team in the league right now. I've played without a question. I can't even, oh. I can't disagree with you on that. You're, what you said is 100,000% correct. They've, they've played the best so far. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm just not. I'm not going to go around and anoint them to to go to the Super Bowl right now. I don't think that's the correct thing to do because I feel like the NFC is a little a little better than anticipated. Um, one through five. All right, now I do agree. I do. Oh, Alex, you want to go? No. no, no, go ahead. I was. I do agree. I think the NFC is a lot better than we anticipated. But with that being said, I I was and I still think the Cowboys are a clear cut. I'm not anymore after this week. And going into this week, I thought they were a clear-cut number three behind Philadelphia and San Francisco. Now you got a team like Detroit that I think is in that question as well. Um, and they just manhandled them. And I, I just really, really – And I'm talking to you, dude, watch out for New Orleans too because they're pretty stingy on D. 
they can really they, get after people. There, there's a lot of sneaky teams, and I think uh, there definitely going to be a lot of sneaky teams. But and with Derek Carr, there could be uh, Tampa Bay too. I feel like with Baker, it's going to be a lot improved. So there's a couple of teams I feel like are going to be better this year than the, than last year. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we'll see. I just I just can't believe versus the team that I just really thought the Cowboys were my clear cut number three team in the NFC, and San Francisco did that to them. And I, I just. No, I don't. I don't want to play this team if I'm a fan of any other team. I, I, I go through your sports book right now. Bet San Francisco to win the Super Bowl, and you'll be happy come February. Response: You heard it here first. All right. Why don't we move on and talk about a team that will definitely not be in the Super Bowl this year, and that's the New York Giants. In all right, where do we? Where do I take this? Where do I take the New York Football Giants? I came on the show and I said. Before the season, I thought this team had so much potential. I thought they at least make the wild card, and I thought they were a year away from actually becoming a dominant NFC team. And of course, after playing the Miami Dolphins, who we did not expect to really get a victory out of them, we just wanted a competitive game. Maybe there was two minutes of that thinking that was going to happen. And then I witness a team just in disarray all over the place again, with the exception of not seeing the locker, not seeing the sidelines fight each other. I mean, you three saw Evan Neal, which is truly the worst example of an offensive tackle playing in the in the league. You know, in my limited high school experience, um, I can't say I would do any better than Evan Neal. And I'm not going to say that, but my God, especially in that one play where early in the first quarter, where we see the defensive end just where he where just roll past him and we see Evan Neal just like block the air. You see Daniel Jones get sacked another six times in the game and has a nasty whiplash, which leads to a neck injury. And he's had neck issues before and we do not want the worst case scenarios to happen there. Looks like he, there is a good chance he's going to play on Sunday night against the Bills, which is already a mess. But my God, what I'm just so, so confused and, and my mind is bottled. And I just how could a team that we thought would and I understand a team that was early that clearly overtrieved last year, but at least made some strides to the to the roster and kept the coordinators, and they are the very worst team in the league. And if it wasn't for a historic comeback in the second half against the Cardinals, this team can really compete for a top um this team can this franchise can tank for a top pick under the day ball and Shane era. Like, oh my goodness, like I look like a fool supporting Daniel Jones, and I will stick by it. But I will say an honest question. If you got sacked as many times as Daniel Jones, where most of the time it looks like the guy is running for his life, how can we really see the potential this man really has if he's, again, in immense pressure all the time and he's literally getting his head decapitated? And that's my ultimate unfair criticism that people uh, that I think that's an unfair criticism with Daniel Jones right now. And I, I and I do know that some of these sacks are most definitely his fault too. you know, running into um, running into places that he can be vulnerable. But for the most part, if you have such a horrendous offensive line, you can't show your true potential as a quarterback in this league or any level. 
I mean, I guess I'll, I'll go on a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. The, the offensive line has been completely overmatched. Um, that's on Joe Shane. Like, your GM, in my opinion, has not done enough to really upgrade the roster offensively. Uh, and, you know, I heard all, all the season about how these receivers, you know, were improved and whatever. I have not seen any of that. Um, no one on that field could get any separation. Um, Darren Warrell is the only guy who can catch you catch a ball in, in the entire roster and even he he's a shell that the guy who used to be on 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 um on the Oakland I'm not the Raiders not Oakland uh the Las Vegas Raiders so yeah um it's overall been an extremely disappointing year but um I mean they have a they have a terribly constructed roster the offensive line is absolutely horrendous um the receiving position is just not good enough you don't have that game-breaking tight end um, you just don't have enough. You don't have enough firepower in that offense, and that's entirely on the GM and, and entirely on the organization. Um, I, I think you're you're in a battle right now, actually, between you and New England as, as the two worst positional groups in the entire football, in the entire National Football League. Um, they they've just given Daniel Jones zero help. And but in my opinion, too, when you're getting paid as much as you are making, as you have to elevate your game, which in my opinion he hasn't done enough of. So it's a combination of that. You have a very mediocre quarterback, in my opinion, who's overpaid and, quite frankly, is not doing enough to elevate his game in, in, in series of adverse circumstances. But that being said, um, there's not a lot of quarterbacks, in my opinion, would succeed under the line being that, as atrocious as it is and the overall poor roster construction that's been done by Joe Shane and um, the organization itself. Like, they have to start getting some heat. Like, the, the offense is just absolutely horrendous and the line is horrendous and just everything about that organization, in my opinion, needs to be flipped. Whether that means you have to, you know, Daniel Jones has never had that guy like a number one, like even like the Jets, like they have a Brees Hall, like they have a Garrett Wilson, like they don't have that one game changing player. Like who's your game changing player, Darren Roller? Well, it was supposed like, to be Saquon, but he's injured. I mean, but and that's the problem. And and you even see, you even see the absence of Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas. Like, yes, you think that they can't do anything running the ball. Like it's almost scary how little they can run the ball. Um, when you watch the yeah. Jets, even they have Brees Hall can really you know, break a hole or, or have a game change run. Like you see without Saquon, this offense can't do anything. Um, in my opinion, this is just me. Um, you could argue Saquon Barkley is more important to the Giants than uh than Daniel Jones is. That's that's my personal opinion. Um I'll let I'll let everyone else give a uh give their take on that. But that's that's my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think this. Yeah, this offense is very anemic. Um, I thought that, you know, a couple of weeks back, the San Francisco game, if they could hold it tight, that you would see a little more promise in this team. But it just looks like a team that's just confused and in disarray, and um, doesn't have, you know, just even the hint at explosiveness on offense. They're very predictable, um, very uh, not day ball esque, I guess you could say. Um, and I, you know, part of it is. Just limitations of daniel jones part of it is the the, the mix of that 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 just uh swiss cheese offensive line <clears throat> but they don't have they um they don't have just enough defensive like playmakers that um are able to even kind of carry this team so uh, th- th- there's a lot of deficiencies from personnel perspective uh all across the board um you know obviously like what we what we think of Miami, they're a great team. So we knew that this was kind of going to be a, a predictive kind of uh, result score. But um, you know, just the domination on the on the on the ground game. Like the one thing that Miami does great is is play action and through the air. And we know McDaniel's is a whiz, but 
you, you need to stop the run. Otherwise you're just, you're just, you're bleeding to death. You, you can't, you can't let that go on and persist. And, you know, um, and even all, you know, even with that, New York still won time of possession. Right? It was, it's, but I just think that, you know, Miami has too many playmakers, New York doesn't. And it really boils down to that. And um, you can see the, the guys from New York um, just not putting in enough effort as well. Yeah. And, you know, adding to that with, um, all the speed, all the dolphins. I mean, Devon Achan, Achan. Yeah, he got hurt, so that comes at a price. So, but true, yeah. exactly. He's going to be out a few weeks with a knee injury. But him and Mostert, one healthy, are one of the best one-two punches we'll ever see. Obviously, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill speak for themselves, and and Tua feel confident in the pocket. I mean, I will say the Giants' defense did have a good game. No pick six, a couple picks, uh, one pick six. I mean, there's even a point that team was no threat. I don't even, I think it was in the third quarter where Tua throws an interception and he laughs because he knew, like, oh, this team's not going to do anything. I mean, uh, cr- credit credit to Jason Pinnock, though, for, for taking that pick six. Um, you know, that Indeed, former that. Jet. <laughs> yeah, from Jet. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with every one of you said um, so far. Uh, but I hate it. You you touched on it. My whole thing is it's an organization problem. We gotta we gotta take this organization, crumble it up, throw it out. Matt, yeah, no, fan, I apologize. It's been, it's um, been terrible. Don't be. No, don't be. It's just what's so ironic because you you get a new regime from the start. You don't. You, that was essentially a time to replace Daniel Jones was last year to bring in your own system guy. You overachieve, you get the soup, you get to the playoffs, you get a playoff win against Minnesota. You had the conflict to, to well, pay you play Saquon. That, and, that win was a little bit deceiving because you also think 32nd versus Frank pass defense in the entire league. Of course, of course. And, but despite all this and this weird instance of timing happening that, you know, it's really weird if you're going to get your own system guy. And I know they could get out of the Daniel Jones deal at the end of 2024. So you at least have him rest well, of this year and next year. You got to give him a better line and more playmakers if you're going to do that. Because, they, they, I mean, this yeah. year they, they screwed him beyond belief. And that's not that's not me apologizing for him because he hasn't been a great – he hasn't been good this year. But but to be honest with you, no, I, there's not too many quarterbacks that actually could succeed with that line, in all, in all fairness. Right. So – it's it's just a very unique situation right now, and you do get the mulligan because you are the reigning coach of the year. And the, but the GM so far doesn't. It looks like some of the GM hasn't drafted well either. I'm just telling you that Kayvon Thibodeau is yeah, uh, Thibodeau. Well, I don't mind Kayvon Thibodeau personally. Um, I I think he's a pretty good player. He's not the type of guy. He's not a Micah Parsons. He's not a game changing defensive end like. I don't think, yeah. but I don't think they necessarily even drafted him to be that game-changing tight end. Um, and Wink Martindale, Wink, in Wink Martindale's system, um, the most sacks I believe ever for for a guy in the first few years, I want to say, is eleven sacks. So they don't really necessarily have a system that really implores the defensive lines really get after the quarterback. They want a disruptive. They want like a disruptive guy, which at times Kayvon Thibodeau has been disruptive, but he hasn't been game-changing enough in my opinion to really change games. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It's just, it's just too bad, and we'll just have to see where everything lies, I guess. And it's going to be a long time, but um, you know, what's great about football is you really watch the whole league 
for the most part. So I'll be fine. But New York sports, we have the Knicks essentially to look forward to. NHL started tonight, though. I like the Rangers, but um, they need to have their young players step up, too. So why don't we talk about, though, a franchise that deserves this embarrassment and a fan base especially deserves this embarrassment. The New England Patriots, those spoiled brat fans are really getting it to them. And I stand by those comments talking to you, Brad. Anyways, they lose by a score of 34 to zero. How much did the Patriots lose by last week? That was 38 to zero. Yeah, 38 3. They put up three points versus Allison. Excuse me, 38 3. Basically, zero. Okay. <laughs> exactly. But what is going on with the uh, New England Patriots? <laughs> Mac Jones is terrible again, and he gets benched for the second straight game in a row. No answers. It seems Bill is somebody who needs a reset as well. There is no talent on that roster at all. And Carr and the Saints take advantage in this get right game for them. I mean, we talked about Bill Belichick last week. Very successful reel out of it. And uh, what happens the next week? Um, They play even worse. I mean, what do you do? And this, you know, I guess if you, if you want to talk about the injuries to Judon and Christian Gonzalez to help, but I mean, there is no answers whatsoever. And Judon, um, um, Judon, and, and um, what was that? Well, I was go ahead and finish, and I'll, I'll I'll leap on this. I was just saying, and you made the prediction that Zappy would get in the second half, took to the fourth quarter, but that's exactly what happened. And the new and the New England Patriots in true disarray. And we've had some comments about, you know, what they what what we talked about, whether Bill, it's Bill's time to hang it up, you know, especially in the argument. Clearly, is it him or Brady? And at this moment, Bill mm-hmm. Belichick is 26 and 29 in games without Brady in an assist in his entire career. So, yep. I mean, what else is there really to add from last week besides another example of a team just beating the crap out of them. Well, no, I, yeah, you, I think you kind of alluded to all the points that I wanted to capitalize on. I think that um, this New England team, this is kind of the flashpoint where it's kind of the ugly rock bottom. Um, you know, I, I'm sure Robert Kraft has already had these conversations in his head from the press box um, about what he's going to do, about how he's going to peacefully exit this relationship with, with Belichick and, and ask him to, you know, hang it up. Um, but again, I made, I made three predictions last week. I said, Zabby was going to get in this game. Belichick's going to have his days numbered and which we'll get to later, which is, uh, Lamar is not worth his contract. And I, I was three and I was three for three. So, um, <laughs> so I, I think that you're going to see more of this ugly truth unfold throughout the season. Clearly it's not Bill O'Brien. Clearly it's not just Mac Jones. I think this is an all-around team effort in terms of a lack of personnel and a lack of execution. And I just think that Bills is not up with the times. Um, that's not even just like, um, you know, a kind of a young throwaway like line. I think genuinely I, he's just not um, adapted to the new NFL and, and, you know, putting wrinkles in this offense and getting personnel. And, I mean, you look at the way other organizations, like they abide, they they, they stand by their, their quarterback and when they draft them, um, when Cincinnati drafted Burrow, they went after Jamar Chase because they knew they had a relationship back in college. It's things like that. It's not necessarily cronyism. It's like you want to cultivate 
you know, a, a player's locker room. And I just don't think had once Brady walked out that door, I just I think you started to see some of that facade crumble. And definitely not having Judon help uh, didn't help. Um, he's the leader of that defense, as far as I can tell. But that, that that shouldn't stop you from giving up 34 points. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's just um, it, it's going to be a long season for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely going to be a long season for the Patriots. Um, I, I I agree with most of what you said besides talking things about which I'll get into. Um, the one thing I will say is um, they got to get back to the Patriot way. Um, the Patriot way, do your job. All 11 men just do their job. They got to get back to that. They're in the same situation as the Giants. I know Hayden mentioned it in the last game, but it, the Patriots and the Giants are two franchises that need to just start over. Like, figure it out, start over, rebuild, just go into full tank mode. Um, I will say I think this is way beyond the Belichick issue. Um, maybe that's just my love for Belichick, but I, I just don't think this is a Belichick problem, in my opinion. Um I, I think it's time for him to part ways after the end of the year. I think it's time for a mutual um mutual both, both both teams getting away from one another or both uh, parties getting away from one another. But I do not think um any single coach that gets put with this team in this current roster, I think is in the same situation as Bill Belichick. I mean, I'm going to go off that. You talk a little bit about it. It's not a Bill Butcher because you, it is because he's the de facto GM. He has not done a good job drafting offensive players on, on the side of the ball since 2013. They've only had two all pros since 2013. He's done a, he's done a <laughs> horrifically bad job on the offensive side of the ball. Horrific. Like terrible. And you talk about the Patriot way. Well, you can't do the Patriot way. You could say old things about this mantra and all this BS, but like when you don't have guys like Rob Gronk, Julian Edelman, um, like even Randy Moss, when you don't have those impact players on offense, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what types of ways you have. They just don't have the manpower on offense, and that is a one hundred percent a Bill Belichick problem because he's been the GM for that long, and he's just done a terrible job on the offensive side of the ball. So if you're a keep him as head coach, you either have to delegate duties to offensive scouting department and revamp the whole offensive system. Or gets or get a new um, get a new uh, person to, to be the GM because he can't he can't do both anymore. He's just he's done a fucking excuse my language I don't want to say that word. He's done a horrific job drafting uh, offensive skill players and uh, I'm the guy can still coach defense. They've had great players. They still have Kyle Duggar. They have Matthew Judon. They drafted Gonzalez. Um, the defense, in my opinion, they they have some players, but they can't really be supported due to the fact that they have an offense with really just no impact players whatsoever, like zero, um, like even less than the Giants, even less than Dan Waller. Dan Waller would be an impact player on the Patriots. And you have, uh, like Max Ryan said, pea shooter Mac Jones throwing, throwing the football. So um, it's it's an overall mix, but he can't continue to be both the GM and coach anymore now. This should be his last year's is doing both because gonna... unless they, they start to improve on offense or, and he selects better, um, that's the only way the team's going to improve. But I want to I want to push back on what Nico said. Like, how can you restore the Patriot way if you don't have the ultimate Patriot, which is Tom Brady? I I think it's more of an organization thing. I I think you got to get a Tom like you can't get a Tom Brady in the locker room, but you just got to get um, what Hayden said too. You got to get guys that can show you life, can show you life in the organization that have potential to be great, that have potential to be good. And everything that they have there in New England right now, it's not it. Yeah, no, it's 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 all a talent thing for me. The Patriot thing is not going to work unless you have great players, and they don't have great players right now. Like they have, they have a uh, a crap roster. The roster is terrible, and that's mainly due to the fact that Belichick did not do a good job drafting. He hasn't done a good job drafting in years. Oh, he's been terrible. 
He's been terrible, and you know they need they need someone else to to look at the offensive side of the ball and completely revamp it. Because Bel Belichick, in my opinion, is not an offensive guy. He's a he's a defensive guy. I'm kind of like he's not quite not not quite as, as much the defensive specialist like like Rex Ryan, but um, these are guys that need someone. They need they need a different offensive mind, in my opinion. And Mac so Jones got a noodle arm. I mean that guy. Why do they really need to stop thinking that he's the guy? He clearly isn't. He's a dirty uh, player. Yeah, I mean, when he had McDaniel's, I mean, nobody could work with three different coordinators. Like he's had McDaniel's, he's had uh, the two coordinator set with Judge and Patricia. Now he has Bill Bryan. I mean, he's had a lot of chaos too, Mac Jones, and he he was he was a Pro Bowler in his first year. Never is, man. Never is. All right, guys. I'm going to take a... Uh, guys, hear me? There we go. Yeah. See, Mac Jones always messing everything up, no matter what, including the internet stream here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, why don't we continue on with the Steelers and the Ravens. Nice. This was a fun game to watch. So Ravens made mistakes at the end. No. Major mistakes. Plus their receivers had a hard time making catches. I mean, we saw TJ Watt straight up punch Zay Flowers in the face. Now he was going for the ball, to to, to be fair, but he just missed bad. But anyways, Pickett to Pickens on a 41-yard walk-off touchdown was a lot of fun to see. Matt Canada didn't seem too happy because many people think that Kenny Pickett audibled the play. And um, now the season looks a lot different for the Steelers. So what stuck out more? The Steelers getting this win or the mistakes made by the Ravens? Oh, go ahead, um, yeah, you can go, Alex. <laughs> oh, no, my, my take's short and sweet. I feel like I have nothing to say uh, since Lamar did it for me. So, um, <laughs> um, no, I thought this was, um, you know, we knew this was going to be a rivalry game coming in this week, um, despite, you know, how these iterations of the two teams look in 2023. But <clears throat> I thought that um, this was just an aptitude on the Ravens' part. Um, a lot of mistakes, a lot of costly mistakes up and down the offensive line, uh, up, and, up and down the board. And, um, you know, Pickett and, and Pittsburgh did just enough to win uh, the game. I thought, you know, on paper, they kind of played to a draw when you really look at the numbers. But um, it was just too, just too costly a plays from, from Baltimore. I thought um, Matt Canada, you know, looked <laughs> – he still looks incompetent on an offensive perspective, but it seems like they're starting to kind of get their, their feet underneath them. Um, they hung in there with – like Najee had a great game. Um, they hung in there with, with on, the, on the ground game, didn't abandon the run. And at the end of the day, um, it, it, it just proves my point that I don't think this Baltimore team is good enough to even make the playoffs, To quite frankly. I think that right now, through five weeks, they've kind of had a favorable schedule, but as the year progresses um, – I think Lamar is going to start to really show himself. Um, he's going to show his true color. So, my only question that do you think if um, I think there was a total of five drops, would it have made a difference in how you feel if they made the, those catches? Oh, they were they were, they were terrible. Um, the receivers versus, versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Mm-hmm. I, well, I, I, I agree that like if he if they made those five catches, um, it would have changed the the complexion of the end of the game. But it doesn't change. It still doesn't prove or uh, change my opinion on what my assessment is on Lamar in the in the full picture. I hear that. And about the Kenny Pickett, um, probably audible in the play, Matt Canada getting booed throughout the game for some of his play calling. What what do we think about the Steelers' weird dynamic in their relationship between their offense and their offensive coordinator? Um, I mean, for like what the Steelers do, like they, they come up with a big play whenever it's needed, and that's what good teams do. Um, yes, it's been ugly, um, but I think that I think they're actually going to use the fire Matt Canada thing as like a rallying cry for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, like everyone wants us to do this, everyone wants us to do that, and yet like the team is still three and two. Like they've you know, they haven't won pretty games. The offense has been pretty, I don't want to say incompetent because it's made the plays when it has to. And Kenny Pickett's only thrown two interceptions. So um, the offense has been brutal. But that being said, like this is still a three and two, three and two team and they're winning on defense and they're going to be in every game. They're going to slog it through. So, um, I mean, I you just see like a Mike Tomlin coach team, like they, they find ways to win. Never looks pretty, but. You know, that's just what my climb does. So, yep. All right. Why don't we get into the Green Bay Packers and the Oakland Raiders? All right. Jordan Love really struggled, struggled bad in this game. Major turnovers throughout. And the Raiders took advantage. You have to, and, um, I will say we have another ref complaint that could have changed the complexion of this game, and that's the 60-plus yard reception from Jordan Love to uh, Christian Watson. And then um, we had a Marcus Peters horse collar that wasn't called, but it could have changed everything. But besides that, the Raiders did make plays when they needed to. They created pressure for Jordan Love and um, a solid win, even though, there was, of course, questionable play calls from Josh McDaniels, even to a point where Mark Davis called him an asshole. Pretty funny stuff, but another risky coach gets away from his mistakes, saved by the defense again. Let's go to the Raiders fan first, and we know uh, Nico had some words to say regarding this. Yeah, um, well, this is the first time I've seen the the Raiders defense actually show up for work. I was I was genuinely surprised. I didn't know half their names. Um, haven't seen them in five weeks, so that was pleasant. Um, <laughs> but you know, me Roberts with the picks, Belain had the game of his life. Crosby was just um, all over all over the field like he normally is. I still think that pound for pound, he's um, arguably top three pass rusher in the league. Still, um, doesn't get really appreciated because of. Um, we're not like a destination and we don't have like this splashy team um, on defense, but I think like he on any given Sunday is arguably one of the best defensive players in the league. So I want to just give him a big shout out, but um, I, look, I'll just be real. We, we, we can shit on Jordan love. He's a young quarterback. He's made mistakes um, at crucial times, but Josh Daniels, McDaniels, I continue to repeatedly say it. He literally gives he has a magnetism for losing like they had no business even keeping this game close and he just left this offense and this and then this game this team in every opportunity to blow this game um whether it's the play calling the uh the defensive mechanisms for reading reading the offense i just 
it just seems like every game, even when they should be putting the game away, whether it's the play calling or it's the clock management, um, it just seems like they have an appetite for losing. And it's just, it's, it's kind of unfathomable to me because they have all the, the, the players and the game changers on the, on paper. They just don't seem to be desire to put it together. And I just can't understand it for the life of me. I'll talk a little bit about this. Um, it's, um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say too much about Jordan Love. Um, Jordan Love's still a young quarterback developing. You're gonna have games like that uh, in his first year. Peyton Manning threw 30 interceptions. Um, Troy Aikman went one fifteen. So um, you're gonna have games like that as a quarterback, and you gotta go through it. I think. Um, I think Jordan Love has shown you enough that you should be excited about what you've seen for the first five games. Um, he's, he's he's been a good. He's he's had some good strides. Um, that being said, I don't think what people are talking about is um, that combination of Devontae Adams and uh, Jacoby Myers actually could be pretty lethal through the air. Jacoby Myers has been very good, actually, so far. Um, I'm not talking about I haven't fantasy football, actually. Yeah, the week. Patriots got me, traded got him away. Points week, and he actually helped me win the week. But Jacoby Myers actually through the air has been actually a very, very pleasant surprise. One of the most underrated offseason additions all season. And if you, you, know, if you combine him with... Jimmy G and uh, Devontae Adams, once they start getting him going, and Josh Jacobs, it could be a, a pretty decent offense actually moving forward. Um, so that's actually a pretty interesting story. Um, I do think they have to shore up their defense a little bit. Um, you know, they, they have some impact players, Marcus Peters and Max Crosby, but I think they need to kind of gel as a unit a little bit better. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, a win, is, a win is a win in the NFL. You'll take them when you can get them. Um, I think, personally, I think Las Vegas is a – little bit of a team that I think needs work. But that being said, they play the Patriots and they play the Bears the next two weeks. Um, those are two winnable games. Let's say you win two of those games and, you know, you get to you get to four and three. And then you have games coming up versus the Giants and the Jets. Those are also winnable games and, and the Vikings too. So um, the schedule is looking pretty favorable. Um, that being said, you know, they still got to win these games. Um, and then we'll see. Um, it, it, it's a team that actually could win some games down the stretch due to the schedule. Um, that could be in it, and like I said, I would really exploit. I would really exploit that uh, one-two combo punch with Jacoby Myers and uh, Devontae Adams. Jacoby Myers is really great, and one of the most underrated additions of the offseason, which people haven't talked about. So, um, like I said, just continue to exploit that, run the ball a little bit. Um, hopefully, you can get after the quarterback with Max Crosby and your pass rush. And this could be a team that that could win some games moving forward. Um, it's not going to be pretty, you know, with Josh McDaniels as your coach. It's never going to be pretty, like Certainly. Alex talked about. Um, but um, that being said, they could win some games. So they, you have a little bit of hope moving forward uh, towards the end of the, towards the middle of the season. And so don't give up. Don't give up the ship just yet, uh, Alex. Well, we do. We do have two buys against Denver every year um, moving forward, which is a big, big bonus. Um, if we lose to New England, I probably will not be back on the show. But um, it, mm-hmm. until then, it's been nice seeing you guys. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and a uh, couple things I'll say is uh, I, I do think this Raiders team could be sneaky. Um, I, I like Hayden mentioned, um, Jacoby Myers has been arguably one of the best offseason um, pickups out of any team so far that has really showed us. Um, I really, really think Jacoby Myers is a great weapon, great one-two punch combo that they have. But the one thing I will say, um, I, I think this team is – maybe good to sneak in, maybe get a seven seed or something like that, and that's about it. They're gonna we'll lose an opening game. I don't think this team is no, they, there yet. No, they they're do, not quite there yet, but yeah, I agree. They have the tools like Myers, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, um Crosby. Like you, you have tools that could get you to where you need to be. They're just not there yet. Um but the one comment I don't want to make and don't want to offend the Alex, but uh 
we saw this team in prime time two out of the past five weeks that we saw them too many times already in prime time. Um, let's let this team go back to like a four. Let's do that. But you get up. you get to see the New York Jets in prime time more, so that that should be an even better treat. Well, yeah. you know, you you had you had to think you had Rodgers would have been great to see the Jets. I, I still like the Jets team. I I don't mind seeing them. I'd rather see no, them no, well, the Raiders. Well, you know, they they you know they play a little bit. Yeah, but I, I looked again and um I I just really think um. Um, Jordan Love is someone that I think is, um, I know Hayden mentioned it, to be excited about in Green Bay. Um, he's young. You're going to have games like this. You're going to, it's his first, he's not a rookie, but it's basically his rookie season. Um, and you're going to have games like this. This is going to happen where a lot of it might be better. You're going to learn a lot from this than if you were to go out and put up four touchdowns, 300 yards. Obviously, that's what you want to do every week, but you'll learn from games like this, losing games like this. Um, when you had the ball, yet you were able to do a lot, but not just not enough. Nope. But um, regardless, maybe there is some life for the Raiders, and we'll see how this all unfolds. So why don't we now go to Thursday night? But also agree with you, Nico. Too many uh, primetime games for the Raiders for some reason. But first of all, Dick Bugkiss passed away on Thursday. May we say rest in peace to one of the true legends and pioneers of the National Football League. On that night that he left the world, the Bears had the Bears happened to play. They took care of business. The Bears got their first win in over a year with a great year by just with a great game by Justin Fields and a career game for DJ Moore. The commanders were having trouble protecting Howell, needed to yeah. fix those issues. And um, but ultimately the Bears won the game by a score of 40 to 20. Does Ron Rivera seem out of it on that? Like, what's up with the commanders? Because they do have a pretty talented roster. But um, I don't know. It seems that uh there's some miscommunications going on with the commanders. Why don't we talk about the commanders first here about this loss? Is this a real concerning one? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is the definition of a concerning loss. Um, you let Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears hang a 40 piece on you. It, this is at home. red flags everywhere. Um, it, it can't happen, especially for a team that we saw through the first couple of weeks has been in games and shown some potential. This was just embarrassing, an absolute embarrassment. Um, but hey, with that being said, hats off to the Bears. Um, big win, Justin Fields getting some swagger, getting some confidence back, like he's at Ohio State. Um, I, I'm rooting for him. I hope they can build on this and hope that team could um, just keep improving week after week. But damn, man, Washington's definitely 100% time to panic. How does that happen? 40 bomb to the Bears. How? Yeah, it's um, it's hard to take them seriously as a winning team if you're literally going to give up you, their first win in Chicago on your home field. I mean, that's just embarrassing. Um, and and forty points, no less. Um, it seemed like they couldn't protect Howell all night. You you saw that Chicago got home five times for the night. Um, they won time of possession. You know, they had uh, a lot of good things going with them on offense. I mean. I'm not the biggest fan of Justin Fields, but in recent episodes past, I've definitely stuck up for him. I thought they haven't been able to surround him with personnel, but you can't let him dominate a game like this. Um, if you're Washington, especially as Ron Rivera being, you know, a defensive minded guy in Carolina, having the history behind him going to the Super Bowl, it's just unacceptable. And, uh, you know, giving seven yards, 
play. Like he made DJ Moore look like Devonte Adams last night, and it's just um, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. I, I, it, you know, we talked about kind of like the early narrative that goes on with the first quarter of the season where, um bad team masquerade as good teams and vice versa. Um, I think this is one of those classic cases where Washington, they may hang around for the rest of the year because the NFC is very, is very, is very weak and very thin, but I don't think they're a real serious team, but we thought they may have been um, early on in the year. I mean, I'll kind of add a little bit, a little bit about the uh, commanders um, a little bit on there. Another team that just cannot protect the quarterback. Um, they're asking Sam Howell to do too much. And actually, through the season, Sam Howell actually is the sixth most passing yards in the league. Um, so I actually think Sam Howell, things considered, has played pretty good. Um, I think he's uh, he's actually showing some signs that this guy could be a, could be the, the franchise guy moving forward. Um, he's he's actually been pretty good, which which is a good sign for, for them moving forward. Um, that being said, like, their defense had a complete meltdown versus Justin Fields, which was shocking. But it's also nice to see Justin Fields play well and – Finally, mature a little bit as a passer. He's he's played very well in the last two weeks, which is nice. He has eleven touchdown passes, low key, which is is close to the, close to the NFL lead, um, which is you know very surprising, based off those two weeks. Um, um, like I said, it's I think this game is more about Justin Fields. Like there are a lot of teams right now in the NFL that would be clamoring that Justin Fields. Like I'm telling you right now, Jets are a playoff team with Justin Fields, one hundred percent. Um, with his with his athleticism, the the Jets will be a playoff team. That there's actually plenty of teams that I would actually like to have Justin Fields playing. Um, I think New England would would be better with Justin Fields, personally. Um, you know, uh, Atlanta probably would be a probably would be a primetime destination with Justin Fields. You could say, you could even probably even say that the Arizona Cardinals too would probably be a playoff team with Justin Fields. So there there are plenty of teams that actually would be clamoring for. For Justin Fields, with the way his, with his athleticism, um, I've been very critical of Justin Fields in the past. But that being said, um, the player uh, himself, I think, he's a pretty athletic player. So I think this shows more that Justin Fields can be that guy. And I actually think Washington's gonna have a hard time this year. Um, but it's just a couple of my insights in the game. All right, why don't we continue with another London game? The Bills went to London to go up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And what happened? The Jacksonville Jaguars run game had one hell of a performance. And they competed heavy with the Bills. And the Bills keep losing key players on defense. And they have a tough second loss going three and two going into this year, going into uh, the next week. So what do we get out of this one? More of a solid win for Jacksonville or a loss for the Bills that may be crucial down the line? Um, I thought, you know, it was a little bit of both. I think um, the huge win for Jacksonville, you know, shout out to them for being resilient, coming back. I thought they were dead in the water a few weeks ago. So um, this is a really nice pickup for a win, especially, you know, technically on the road. I mean, it was more like a neutral field, but, they they really won uh, multiple phases of this game, uh, dominated the ground game, uh, controlled you know entire possession, and um, you know won out in the big picture. I mean they were critical on third down. They did a lot of the right things, um, and uh, the, the you know it it is sad because Buffalo did play one hell of a uh, defensive game, but they just got too injured, uh, too you know too banged up. Um, I think that this was a game where 
Buffalo was so psyched for kind of a revenge game, a matchup with Miami a week ago that they kind of lost sight and kind of put their guard down this week and they looked a little complacent. Um, so I'm not going to blame everything on the travel going overseas because the Jacksonville had to do the same thing. But um, I think that Buffalo just got a little too ahead of their skis and lost sight of the goal, um, which is, you know, winning the marathon and not the sprint. And I think that they got really, um, they got really amped up for that Miami game and kind of uh, let it kind of get to their head. So um, they just got to regroup, um, get back to, get back to basics, continue to run that football and um, for Jack, they'll just continue to plug along and continue to keep building inertia as the uh, season progresses. So, yeah, um, um, uh, oh, sorry, you you you, no, you go, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, I, I will say, um, I don't think it's necessarily a concerning loss, um, for Buffalo. Um, I, I, I do think Jacksonville is very underrated, um, and don't get enough credit as they deserve, especially that run game, I think is very underrated, um, especially showing it this week, ETM, great game. But, um, the one thing that I would be more concerned of anything is like the yards are there, the production's there from Josh Allen, the production's there from Stefan Diggs right now, and you're just not getting the ball in the end zone and you're not winning games. Um, I, I, I don't want to sit here and say you have to panic on Buffalo. I still think you're arguably one of the best teams in the AFC, but, you got to figure out to win a game like this. Uh, Josh Allen threw for 350 plus, I believe, um, 200 yard receivers. But at the end of the day, you're leading rusher at 14 yards rushing. Uh, you got to develop and, some type of run game in order to compete. Yes, this is the past first league. You have to develop some type of run game in order to compete in this game, um, in this league. They've been saying that for years, um, and it's still taking a long time. I'll add a little bit about this game. Um, I thought it was a little bit unfair, actually, that uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars got to stay in London twice. Actually, that they didn't necessarily have to deal with that travel. They got to stay in London for an extra week, whereas the Buffalo Bills had to travel all the way there. That's kind of an extreme advantage for for Jacksonville, in my opinion. Uh, Jacksonville is almost like the – I mean, they're almost going to be playing in London as like their second home because they're going to get – they're going to try to expand them and maybe try to do an experiment where they'll have like three or four games there a year, which is, you know, interesting. But um, completely – completely ridiculous that they got to be in, in London back-to-back weeks where they didn't necessarily have to travel. They could stay in London, whereas the other team had to. Um, that's just putting it on the NFL. I thought that was completely ridiculous logistically that one team got to stay there and another team had to go. Um, but just in terms of the game, um, not really much you could say. Um, Buffalo's really starting to lose a lot of their defense players. They lost Matt Milano. Um Tredavious White got hurt, so I think they're going to be tested defensively. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, next week they get the Giants, so I would. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pencil in a win in the NFL because it's still the NFL and teams are, are really really good each and every week. But um, you know, you you got the Bills, you got the Giants, and you got the Patriots next this week. Those are games. If you're Buffalo, like you need to win both those games. If if you're an elite team, you got. I mean, you know, the schedule kind of softens. You get the Bills, the Patriots. Um, you know, you're not the Bills. You get the Patriots, the Giants, the Bengals with with Burrow kind of hobbled, and then you get the Broncos. So, should have a good stretch coming up. But um, I think they'll they'll get back to their winning ways. Um, that being said, you know, um, this is a team that you know can move the ball, but they got to get the running game going, like like Nico said. And um, they're gonna ha- they're gonna struggle a little bit defensively. So, we'll see. We will see. All right, the Indianapolis Colts got Jonathan Taylor back. They signed him to an extension, and he will be there for the long term at the moment. Despite that, 
Anthony Richardson and Zach Moss took care of business and they get a big win over the Tennessee Titans, despite Anthony Richardson getting hurt once again. Um, they held it down. The Titans fought, but came up short. A crucial Tannehill interception cost them. So what do we get out of this one game between the Colts and the Titans? Um, credit Indianapolis for still being able to um, win with Gardner Minshew. They've actually won multiple games this season with Mark Gardner Minshew playing majority of the game. They beat the Baltimore Ravens, and then they just beat the Tennessee Titans. Um, so a lot of credit to them. Um, that team is quietly 3-2. and two. Um, with Jonathan Taylor back, they're really running the ball. Um, they've really, really kind of surprised me in that they, how, they, how they've actually been able to to win a lot of these games. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm looking at the offensive roster. I, I personally don't see that many great offensive players on the team. Um, I, I mean, you could say I, I like I like Michael Pittman for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I like Jonathan Taylor um, with Gardner Minshew. Um, they can move the ball a little bit. So, um, but credit to them also for getting a very quality backup in in regards to Anthony Richardson. A lot of teams don't do that. Um, so, very, very, very kudos to them. Um, that being said, they could be the surprise team this year because every year there is a surprise team that that shocks it. Last year was the Giants and Seahawks. Um, no reason it can't be the Colts this year. Um, they got some. They got some good players. Um, I like the way they're competing. Um, so. Um, yeah, interesting story on them. Um, we'll expand upon that a little bit. Um, but yeah, what are you what are you guys' thoughts on that? Um, they've really kind of impressed me so far. The Indianapolis Colts. Zach Moss has really run the ball. Um, so yeah, you know. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I definitely think that um, the Colts have very much impressed me so far. Um, early on in the season. Um, but that, to me, it, it just shows to tell. It doesn't matter if it's Jonathan Taylor running, if it's Zach, um, if it's Zach Moss running, if it's Tutu Atwell running the ball or somehow plays running back. But I don't think it really matters. I think you're going to get your yards um, with this offensive line in this team. I, I really do think um, a team that can run the ball, control the tempo, and not necessarily turn the ball over, um, like we always say, is going to win games. Um, but if they can keep this ground attack, now with Taylor coming back, now with Taylor having a full week of practice, full two weeks of practice, getting back in shape, getting to where he needs to be, um, this is a team that I think is going to continue running the ball and continue to run all over teams and think they will um, do have a chance even to win that division. Um, that division is going to be an interesting race um, come November, come December. They should well, grab wide receiver, though, in my opinion. Or they should at least look to grab one. Um, uh, no, I agree. I they're definitely position, and if they could grab one, they could they could definitely be in the race this year. Hundred percent, I think they do need to get a, a second trade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, either with Richardson or Minshew, they'll be totally they, fine. They they need someone. They need they need another another playmaking talent at the receiving position. And I know well, I, this this is just how bureaucracy goes, but it just it's funny how Jim Irsay was literally publicly scolding Jonathan Taylor. Then after they get the extension, oh, he's great and we love him. Kumbaya, la la, yada yada yada. Same guy who got a DUI multiple times. <laughs> hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I think I, I'm going to push back. I slightly disagree about the end assessment on the Colts. I think that they played a great game against a bad team. Um, I think that Tennessee is not really what would be that. Definitely. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that uh, aspect to this, but I do agree that Colts in terms of rebuild mode are very ahead of schedule. I'm not saying it was a full rebuild, but definitely around with Indianapolis. Um, 
you know, with the transition of uh, uh, with Richardson and some of the pieces on that offensive side of the ball, um, great to see Jonathan Taylor back. That's huge game changer for them, getting him back in the fold. But <clears throat> I don't necessarily agree that at the end of the year they're going to be in contention. I do agree that the AFC South is kind of what I anticipated the AFC North to be this year, which would be like the more exciting, hot, division um and i think there's a lot of teams that can really play in this uh division i just don't know what their ceiling is right now i don't feel comfortable in saying that it's the playoffs yet per se um but they could be there right at the end of the year being in in contention which is um really exciting because i think there's something uh, really fun about this team on offense when you watch them and it seems like they really play hard for each other so no doubt about it. Let's keep it going, boys. We had the Falcons and the Texans go back to back. Seems like Ritter had a bounce back game, but shouts to CJ Stroud and the Texans for competing on both both on offense with the late game touchdown, but weren't able to convert. And then a crucial takeaway for the defense, but it just seemed that the uh, Texans ran out of time, really. So one thing there I get that uh, at least Desmond Ritter similarly to Zach Wilson, but not with such a microscope on him played a much better game. At least could, at least if he could continue to play this way again, reckon this is against a weaker opponent. You could at least ride it out for the rest of the year. And again, we know how deep the playoff class, the um, quarterback class is if they were to take a new option there. But um, again, with just the Texans where we're seeing a team, getting much better a franchise that was a real mess five years ago, um, especially when Watson left. And it seems that they're improving each week and we can appreciate that. So moving forward on this is, um, are you as confident in me in thinking that Ritter at least can uh, be competent moving forward? Yeah. Um, I personally definitely think he could be. They did something that they finally did. Um, they got the ball to their playmakers. Everyone's talking about Kyle Pitts, Drake London, or all these next um, big things for the Falcons. We don't get them the ball. They don't even get open. But this game, you were able to see Ritter give them the ball, them get open and make some plays. Um, if you continue to do so, just get the ball in the hands of the people that are going to make plays. You're going to win games, successful football. Um, so I do think he could improve if they just basically do what they just did on Sunday. They got both of them involved. They both are the number one and number two receivers um, as they should be on paper and as they should be every week going on in uh, each week in and out. Um, but I do also want to say um, I agree with what you just said, Matt. I think Houston did just run out of time in this game. Um, another per- per- impressive performance for Stroud, just doing what he has to. Like nothing too crazy over the top, but he's doing what he has to do to win games. Unfortunately, it fell short, but um, I do think these will both be – two teams that will have success going forward. Um, last week, I went on a big, big rant how that the Falcons were one of the most overrated teams and everyone was <laughs> giving them um, slack. And I still believe that because you weren't getting – and my whole take was you weren't giving the ball to the correct people. Now that they did that this week, um, hope they continue to do so and we'll see what can happen going forward. Yep. Booyah. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I mean, I still think that the Falcons team is it, um, has – you know, real potential in this division and, and NFC. Uh, but I do, I, I think we were like prematurely crowning Houston and this, and that defense from what we saw against Pittsburgh as being better than we thought. I think they kind of came back to earth this week. Um, 
Uh, I, I don't know how you give up 450 yards to a rookie QB. Um, mm. But I think that, um, you know, I saw a lot of things I liked from Desmond Ritter. Um, they're continuing to improve. I like the fact that Kyle Pitts finally had a bounce back game. Um, we were kind of wondering where the fuck he went um, for a few weeks now. And, um, it, yeah, it was just it was just kind of one of those grinded out games, a little messy, a little sloppy, but um, it was an exciting game, and um, they pulled it out. Um, yeah, getting off that, I, I, I still don't believe that Desmond Ritter necessarily is that guy. Um, he had that coming out performance, 329 yards, one TD, um, and no picks. Um, good performance on his part. Um, what I really think we really told what I think we really should be talking about is just how dominant CJ Stroud is. Um, put you in position to win that game at the end. Um, if your defense makes a stop, CJ Stroud has been unbelievable. He's completing 60% of his passes. He's got over 1,500 yards, which is third most in the league right now. Um, and he's a rookie. Just keep that in mind. Um, seven TDs, no interceptions, passer rating of almost 100. He's been uh, – should be the offensive rookie of the year, um, if if not for Puka Nakua, who's been an aberration for the uh, the Rams. But he's been absolutely tremendous. I think this is more about um, two quarterbacks who have been growing at ex- exponentially – uh, great growths, and um, you know this Houston Texans team has got a quarterback that should be the quarterback for the future and, and quarterback for many years. So you got to be really, really excited about what you keep seeing each and every week. And do you think? Um, I'm just moving one thing for my cat. So and leave me in this dark moment. Don't worry, I'll be right back with it. But to start on this point, though, the Lions played the Panthers this week. And they destroyed them. They just kicked them to the ground. And without two of their best offensive players in um, St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs, the Lions still had a hell of a game on offense and beat down the rebuilding Panthers. Talk to me about the Lions and uh, just eating teams up. I mean, we know the Panthers are rebuilding, so no, not much to really harp on there. But uh, the Lions, if they could keep playing this way, uh, they 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 might make somewhat of a run, don't you think? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I personally, um, right now, I think the Detroit Lions are actually the most physical team in the NFC. Um, the, uh, San Francisco and uh, and um, Philadelphia included. I think that I think the Detroit Lions are the most physical team in the NFC. Um, just in terms of how they hit you and really come after you. Um, Aiden Hutchinson's a beast. Hopefully, they can utilize Jameer Gibbs a little bit better. Um, you know, Jared Goff is coming into his own. They got a great tight end, actually. It's Sam Laporta out of Iowa. Seems like Iowa has a penchant for developing great tight ends. George Kittle, no offense. Um, and now, uh, and now, um, Sam Laporta. So they've definitely done a great job with, with tight ends for at the University of, um, Iowa. So credit to them. Um, and yeah, this, this Detroit team just comes after you. They hit you like crazy. Um, they have, they also have David Montgomery too. So they got a lot of pieces there. Um, they're not, a, they're not a team to, to be, to be, to be, uh, messed around with at all. And I think if you're San Francisco there, you should be absolutely terrified of playing them because they're going to come after you, hit you in a mouth in a way, which San Francisco, I, I believe hasn't seen all year. So I think this is all about Detroit. Um, Carolina, not really much to say about them. They're rebuilding. They still have a rookie quarterback in Bryce Young, and they have just no pieces on offense right now. They have to completely – they're another team that has to revamp their offense, um, and they have to accommodate their rookie quarterback. So not really much to say in Carolina. I think this is all about Detroit. 
Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, I think I'm just continually more and more impressed with Detroit and how they've been able to um, improve with this team week after week. Um, I thought Jared Goff played a pretty, you know, conservative game, didn't have to do too much, 20 of 28 for 236 yards, three touchdowns. Um, you know, and then Montgomery, like, you know, Hayden alluded to, had a great game on the ground as well. This team just it has it has an edge to it. It has – like a full force, um, you know. They got that damn right. Campbell factor, definitely. Yeah, for sure. No, they, they all have this personality that he, yeah. All top down, and um, they 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 show up every week. They it, it feels like whenever they win, whenever they play, they have something to prove. And this is just another one of those statement games. Although I, I I will say that game versus Tampa Bay next week could be a little cute. It's gonna be a really good game, actually. Like they, I I, I think they should consider flexing that game, actually. I think it's Between. a trap. It's a trap. Yeah, no, Tampa. Tampa Bay actually is looking really good. They they have another quarterback who's got that similar kind of moxie that Dan Campbell has and a defensive-minded head coach in Todd Bowles. So, I mean, it's going to be a pretty good game. I've been very impressed with what I saw from Tampa too. So that could be potentially one of the best games of of the week next week, Tampa and and Detroit. Mm -hmm. I love Detroit. Yeah, no, I definitely do think so. I think this Lions team is scary. I think they definitely – like Hayden said, are the most physical team in the league. Um, not just the NFC. I think it's the league overall um, that the Detroit Lions are. Love the way Dan Campbell coaches. Love his moxie. Love his swagger. Um, just he's a guy that you want to play for. He's yeah, I was just gonna add that. Play. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's like he makes me want to run through a wall. Like I said, yeah, last yeah week, no, definitely. I, I'm, I'm, I with, love, I'm with you on that with Dan Campbell. Yeah, I, I love him. And uh, yeah, the Panthers, um, another team that's just gonna have to figure it out. They're gonna have to. Um, keep doing what they got to do, and hopefully um, things will start clicking down there in Carolina. And there's a good chance they will for sure. All right, we have another game to talk about when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Arizona Cardinals where the Bengals took took the game by a score of 34 to 20. Joe Burrow has a big bounce back game. Boy, imagine the Bengals were one and four. Not this time. And arguably a great game from him saves the season. Jamar Chase was open. He got the ball, three touchdowns. And um, again, tough tough, uh, tough break for Arizona. But again, we know that they're rebuilding. But are we convinced after this game in particular that the Bengals are going to be okay? Or is this them just, again, beating up a bad team? I think obviously that. The Bengals are going to be all right. They had a slow start last year and made a run. And um, this is just good for um, even if um, even if it's just for confidence sake, they were able to take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit this game. Um, no, so you can go, Nico. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Um, I mean, I'll talk a little bit about this game. Um, I mean, it was good to see Joe Burrow's back to healthy, a little bit playing like his old former self. Um, you know, nice to see they beat up on an Arizona team. Next three weeks, you can really uh, show what they're really made of. You got um, Seattle, Buffalo, and um, hold on. I want to say I just saw the schedule for Seattle and Buffalo, at least two of the next three weeks. And then you also have, um, I want to say, believe you have, yes, yeah, San Francisco. So you got three really good teams coming up. So that's really going to test what they're made of um, if Joe Burrow's really, really back. Um, so, yeah, definitely nice to see that Joe Burrow returning back to his MVP form. It's definitely been a slow start, and his, his leg has been hurting him. So, um, just good to see him back and Jamar Chase getting the ball. 
Absolutely. Um, it's definitely they did exactly what they had to do versus Arizona team. Um, like I mentioned, it was just good to see him, Jamar Chase, clicking, being on the same page. Um, this team, though, they did have a slow start last year, as you said. Um, they get hot at the right time. This team starts playing their best football at the right time, and they did exactly what they had to do. They put it on Arizona, they balled out, and this is what this team needed. It's a little confidence going uh, further. No T. Higgins in this game either. Um, really um, well, makes you think, okay, no, everyone's focusing on Jamar Chase, and then Jamar Chase has a performance like that. Um, so it just shows you that they are just arguably the most talented team um, in the AFC um, all around when it comes to running back, receivers, quarterback. Um, and I, I just think Cincinnati turns it on from here on out, and they're going to be the Cincinnati that we're used to. I hope so because I <laughs> I don't want to be embarrassed about my AFC prediction pick, um, but I, it'll be very interesting to see how they bounce back um, at home against Buffalo, how they handle uh, the Bills. But I'm also looking ahead at the December 4th game in Jacksonville. I think that's going to be a tough test on the road. Um, I mean, obviously it's going to be tough with Seattle and San Fran, of course, but I think that it, it just looking at the AFC, especially later in the year, it'll be an interesting barometer to see where these two teams are at. Um, we may start seeing these teams in the, you know moving forward in the playoffs, but I like seeing a resounding win to give me a little more confidence about this team moving forward in a game like Arizona. They're beating up on a young team that you're you're supposed to win, and that's what great teams do. That's exactly it at the end of the day. Am I right? Now, this was a very interesting game I was very excited for. And the Eagles and the Rams, where the Eagles won by a score of 23 to 14. The Rams play the Eagles tough. They really did, but ultimately the Eagles took the victory. Cooper Cup making a return for eight catches and 118 yards. And um, people feeling as the weeks go by that the Eagles, though obviously a very top team in the NFC, there are ways they can beat them, whether, you know, if you beat them in their secondary on defense or um, if you're able to, if you're able to, um, you know, contain them, contain them. Some interesting stuff there. And the Rams, I think um, they will be a team fighting throughout the rest of the season. And if uh, Puka and Cup become a lethal one-two combination with Matt Stafford, who has been playing solid this year, don't forget, by the way, he is the quarterback on the Netflix doc. So make sure you remember where you were during all these moments. But um, interesting game for sure. And, uh, who knows if a few plays went another way, maybe the Eagles had their first loss of the season. Yeah. No, I thought um, this was kind of the game of the week for me because um, I wanted to see how good this uh, this L.A. Rams team was. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't like what I saw coming out of that half. Um, I thought that the second half adjustments from Sirianni and their coaching staff, they definitely took the Rams out of the game. They shut them down. Um, they are excellent, very efficient on third down in the, with that offense. But I think this is really about the defense for Philadelphia and showing how that they're really, you know, a three-dimensional monster. Um, yeah, they could lose any week. Um, but I thought that this was, in a weird way, a statement game, a tale of two halves, really. I think it was really just a tale of two halves. And um, I thought this was – very telling for both teams about where my assessment is on, on both Philly and the Rams. I mean, great teams win in, in close games and Philly has proven time and time again, they can win the close game um, versus any team in the league. Um, I think you got to give them a lot, a lot of credit for that. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I mean, the, the top two teams, I think, 
it's very hard for me to say because based on paper, the top two teams are definitely Philly and Philly and uh, San Francisco. But Detroit, in my opinion, is that sleeper team I think is going to disrupt the flow in the NFC. Um, but that being said, you still have to still have to have the two favorites as, as um, San Francisco and Philly moving forward until someone until someone punches them in the mouth, really. Um, which I think next week actually versus the Jets, I I think they're going to get a rude awakening actually at home versus the Jets. I, I do actually. I think the Jets are going to push them around a little bit. I don't necessarily think the Jets going to win the game per se, but I think that's going to be a lot closer of a game than people anticipate. So, um, yeah, definitely. I like I said, I, I'm Philly, Philly's a former Super Bowl champ. Um, they won one recently, 2017 with Foles, got back to win last year with Hurts, and they're going to be right in the mix this year. They there's nothing to there's absolutely nothing to say that they won't be a team that's going to be contending for a Super Bowl. So, I mean, credit to the Eagles. Um, you know, not really much to say on the on the LA Rams part. They played a great great team, kept it close, but you know, at the end of the game, you're you're always judged how you. How you finish games and wins, and they ultimately didn't get it done. So you are what your record says. So. Absolutely, um, yeah. And uh, what Alex said too. Um, this is one of the games I was really excited for this week. I was really excited. Um, it was one of my matchups that um, I wanted to sound on my big screen. I, I really want to enjoy this one. Um, but I, I will say, with that being said, um, the Eagles um, are a great team. The Rams are a very surprising team that I think proved a lot in this game, even though you lost, like he hadn't said, you, you kept it close against a team that just won the super or uh, won the NFC last season. Um, you, you're going to be in these matchups. Um, and I think that was a big statement going forward. Same thing with uh, the whole Cooper cup, Cooper cup came back. That first drive of that game was unbelievable. Um, and any question mark you had about Cooper cup and his injury, your, your doubt went out. It was like, he never left. Um, and I was very happy to see um, Puka's connection still being there with staff. Um, but one thing I did want to talk about that's a little off topic from the game, but it's a big topic in the NFL. I think that the people that want to ban the brotherly shove, the tush push, whatever you want to call it, are ridiculous. You got to figure out a way to stop it. I don't think a play like this should be illegal. I don't think any play should be illegal. I think it's just a great play. It's a great rugby play. Sirianni put it into this offense, and it's something that you got to stop. I don't think I'm seeing all these people saying you got to ban it. You got to make a rule change. Maybe to an extent, but I, I think there is a way to stop it and you have to do it. Many teams are trying to implement it all over the NFL and nobody has a success like this Eagles team. Um, maybe teams just need to hit the weight room more. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just really think uh, they really got to. I mean, every um, team, in the, every NFL team could do it. So, you know, maybe just teams have to get better at it. Yeah, you're damn right, Nico. Anybody who's complaining about the tush push is a big tushy (laughs) loser. Like, seriously, they have they're not breaking any rules. I know there have been some injuries regarding this, but it's an innovative play. And you know what people don't like when I come up with something new and innovative. Let's bring it down because I wasn't smart enough to come up with myself. I'm not an Eagles fan whatsoever, but I can respect the play calling they have with this Nick Sirianni. Great call. Don't ban it. There's literally nothing wrong with it. Absolutely. Just a great, it's just like I said, it's a big unit moving together. That's it. That's it. There's exactly. a body, just a wave coming. That's it. Figure it out. If you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. Can't believe I'm defending the Eagles, but it's true. And it is true. No reason to ban it. So the last game to discuss here is the. 
Kansas City Chiefs and the Minnesota Vikings. It, it really seemed that the Chiefs were trying to make it as com- the Chiefs and the refs, the other uh, the other person on the Chiefs roster, the refs. It is really amazing how many damn calls the Chiefs get in the Mahomes era from the refs. I have a very good friend who's a Chiefs fan. He will not accept the the various evidence that shows that. And we saw it again here in this game. And um, kids, he keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. But um, Chiefs played it close. Kelsey was shaken up for a bit after an ankle injury, but he was able to score a touchdown. Um, I'm sure some people are happy to report that Taylor Swift wasn't there. And... Um, we haven't heard from them in a few days, so we we will keep it that way. But um, yeah, it's just you know it, it, it's seeing where the Vikings are going from here, especially Jefferson getting hurt in that game, and uh, you know I know it's really it's still relatively early. It's about to be mid October, but are the Vikings time for the Vikings to give up? You know we talked a little bit on trading Kirk Cousins if that's an option, but. Um, before we hit on the Chiefs, what what do the Vikings do from here after this game? That they really could have won if uh, things went a little different differently. What's well, it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I was very big on the Vikings this game. Um, this was one of my favorite bets of the week as well. Was the just, Vikings. I was I was big on the Vikings too this week. I, I really thought they were going to pull this one out outright. Um, I was very disappointed to see the result and see um, Cliffy Jefferson going down, um, going to the IR. Um, but one thing to me, and I, I'm not, I don't I never would say anything bad about an injury or anything like that, but when's the last time we really saw a hamstring injury like this at this point in the season place you on the IR? I'm not saying that the injury is not severe or anything like that, but I, 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 I do think missing the next four games for a hamstring, I can see it if it's that bad, but Usually, you keep you on the roster, maybe you sit out a week or two, but you do everything in your power to try to get back. To me right there, that's the Minnesota Vikings saying, you know what, it's not our year. We got we to gotta figure it out. That's what that said to me. Um, again, I'm not saying that it's not a serious injury like because obviously hamstring can be terrible, but I, I just really think by putting him on the IR sends a message to the rest of that locker room. Um Again, I, I again, I don't, I don't, I don't want to keep you writing. Like I'm making fun of the injury. It's not. It's a serious injury. But you got to do everything in your power for that caliber of a player to get back on the field as soon as possible. Putting him in that IR, you're handcuffed for four weeks, no matter what. Even if he feels better in the two weeks, there's nothing you yeah. can do. Um, but I think that just sends a message to the whole NFL and the locker room itself. Players don't tank. Yeah. Franchises do. Yep. Totally. No, I, I, I couldn't have said it any better than Nico did. Um, I think couldn't agree more with everything he said. Um, it, it's it's a shame to see him hurt. Um, he's like arguably the, one of the best receivers in the league. If it is a real legitimate injury, which it, it you know most certainly is, um, you know make sure you you treat it right. Make sure you <clears throat> keep that that um, keep that team afloat. Um, week to week and continue to you know, inspire and get get up for these games because they are hanging in these games. They're just not winning and closing them out like they were last year. But I like O'Connell as a coach. And, um, you know, again, the commentary with the Chiefs, they, they could lose any of these games. They could easily go from being four and one to two and three. So. No doubt, no doubt. But and, and as for the Chiefs, though, 
Chiefs don't really seem that dominant in the first five weeks, don't you think? Uh, what 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 do the Chiefs have to do to be more intimidating? I I definitely agree that the Chiefs have not um, proved that they have been what they've been the past two years by any means. Um, but I will say the one thing they do is they win football games. Um, even last week versus the Jets, that game was so sloppy on Kansas City side. Mahomes' worst statistically game, arguably in the NFL. Um, and this team is going to win football games, but they do have to figure it out. I um, mean, you're not going to be able to pull off close ones as much as you think, as we saw at Minnesota last year. But I think Hayden brought it up. They're like 11 and one or something in one possession games last season. And yeah, they now they're like, down. now they're like, oh, and five this season, oh, this season through one <laughs> possession game. You can only live and die by just playing in these type of games for so long. Um, and I, I personally think the Chiefs really need to turn it on. Um, I don't know if it's something like the receiving core, like Darius Tony, they need one of these guys to set up Sky more. Somebody needs to step up and be like, you know what? Like, we'll help Kelsey out. We're going to help this team out, get open, make big plays. They need that playmaker um, outside of Travis Kelsey right now, and they, they really just don't have it. Yeah, they've lost – They've lost four games this season, actually, by one score, the, the Vikings. So <laughs> they're 0-4 in one-score games, as opposed to when they were 11-1 last year. So Crazy. All right, guys, let's do our favorite part of the week. Let us make some predictions for week six in the NFL. Week six, how about that? About We got, what, 12 weeks to go. Let us do it. The three-month mark begins, and let's have some fun. Thursday night football. We have the Denver Broncos at 1-4 and four going to Kansas City to play the Chiefs at 4-1. and one. The Chiefs are opening at minus 10.5. Where is this going? I think the Chiefs are clearly going to win this victory, but as Nico pointed out, they win games but they usually don't cover. And this is going to be an example of this happening once again. Give me the Chiefs with the win, but give the Broncos with the points at 10 and a half. That's steep. I yeah, give me, uh, give me give me the Broncos in this game, 30 to 23. So I'll take the the, the Chiefs with the, wow. with the money line, the Broncos with the points. Okay. That's high. That's high number for Denver. Yeah, I, I I just I give me the give me the number plus ten and a half right now. Um, one bet I do like in this game, and it's something that has proved me wrong almost every week so far. Is I'm gonna bet another under containing the Denver Broncos, and uh, so far that has not been great to me this NFL season. But um, I do expect this game to be like a sloppier type game, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos Russell Wilson has a drive to win the game late in the fourth quarter and turn it over. But wouldn't be surprised. Oh, it's wishful thinking. No, I think Broncos are going to be – they're going to they're gonna lay down uh, in Kansas City. I think they're going to have a tough time. I don't agree that – I do agree with you that they're, they're, uh, Kansas City probably will not cover. I think that uh, Broncos um, – it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be somewhere around a 23-17, 23-16. Okay, okay. Back to London this week, 9.30. Don't forget – this time we have the Baltimore Ravens playing the Tennessee Titans. Baltimore is opening at minus four and a half. Give me the Baltimore Ravens and give me the points. I think they'll be able to handle the Titans as a much weaker opponent in this scenario. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Give me, um, give me the Ravens with the the points and and the uh, the money line. 
I think the Ravens will. I don't think they're going to cover, but I think they'll win. I think they'll be a, win a tough game on um, a shortened, you know, a shortened trip, and um, it's. Um, I, I just. I think that the Ravens are in a world of hurt right now on offense, and um, I think they're going to be kind of like even par with the Tennessee Titans. I will say yeah, that that that. Um, sorry to interrupt, Nico, but I was just saying that with that minus four, it's almost asking for a backdoor cover to happen. Right. No, absolutely. I I agree with Alex. Um, I, I do think Baltimore finds a way to win this game late. Um, but I do think it's a three-point game. I, I I do like Tennessee covering the four and a half. I won't be betting that. One bet I will be placing in this game, I like the over. I think it's going to be a sneaky shootout. I got like a 27-24 final. Um, I think both offenses need to prove that they need to wake up, and I think they're going to prove that this week versus one another. Yep. Yes, and the over-under is 41, so let's see if that happens. And I'll include the over-unders from now on, too, with this to uh, get some perspective. So we have the Washington Commanders going to Atlanta. Two and three Washington, three and two Atlanta Falcons. The spread is minus two and a half for Atlanta. The over-under is 42. And give the... I'm going to have the... Washington Commanders get a bounce back victory and they're going to get the points as well. So give me Washington on this. Yeah, I'm taking Washington on this too. Um, I think they're going to be able to exploit um, Atlanta. I think they have more explosiveness on offense than Atlanta does. And um, I actually think they're going to go to Terry McLaurin and Sam, they're going to let Sam Howell feast. I got, give me a uh, 26-24 victory for, for the Commanders. That's high. I feel like it's going to be a low score. Uh, I'll take I'll take it over too on this one. I think this will be a low scoring affair, but I do think that commanders will have a, a bounce back, big bounce back game. Um, I like the two and a half. I think it's somewhere around a, uh, like a 20, a 20 to 17 type of game. Um, I'll take commanders. No, no, I, I also think this is a, a under game. I do think it's going to be low scoring. Um, I, I really don't like a side in this game. If I had to pick, I go, I lean the land, uh, um, but I, I really just don't like it either way. I really think it's going to be uh, 17, 14, 13, 10, something like that. Low scoring game final. All right. Also breaking news. We have the Texas Rangers defeating the Baltimore Orioles, knocking them out and the oh, Texas Rangers advance to the ALCS. How about that for the first time since 2012, no 11, 2011. So how about that? Baltimore will be Ooh. back. I think they have plenty of postseasons to come. And uh, Rangers, Jacob DeGrom, and without Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, still were able to ride high. So I just wanted to mention that. Back to football. So we have the Seattle Seahawks at 3-1 and one are going to Cincinnati to play the 2-3 and three Cincinnati Bengals. Pretty good stuff. Cincinnati's actually opening at minus 3. Over-under is 45 and a half. And in this, I think the uh, Bengals continue a winning streak. They're going to win this game. Give me the Bengals and the points right here. Thanks to another stellar Jamar Chase game and uh, Joe Burrow showing that he is going to be all right. I like yeah, I'll the Bengals and the points here. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree uh, as well. But I think this is an over game. Um, I think this, I think this is an under game. Oh, no, I think this is going to be more of a high-scoring game. Um, I, I, I don't, the more I think about it, I think 
three is a little tentative for Cincinnati at home. Uh, I never trust West Coast teams going east. Um, I think that this is probably – I think Bengals will cover – and they're going to go – it's going to be an over game. I think this is going to be a high uh, high shootout game. So something around a 34-24 type of game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with Hayden here. Uh, I have this game going under. Um, I, I do think Seattle coming off a bye um, is going to be very strategic and shutting down Jamar Chase in this offense. Um, I, I think Vegas, this is another one um, that they have right on the money. I have Cincinnati winning this game by three. Um, I I think I have like a 2017, 23-20 final here. Yeah, I have, I have something like that, but I actually think this is going to be slower than that. I think it's going to be like a 20-13 to 13 game. Okay. Like, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game, actually. I just feel like with the with the elements in Seattle tra- traveling traveling to central time zone a little bit. I'm not central, but since Cincinnati, um, the cold a little bit. A little bit different than Seattle. So, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be an interesting game. Interesting game um, indeed. Yeah, I don't mean to say breaking news. I don't know. I don't know if we have UFC fans that listen. Of course, um, you could always yeah, say I'm breaking news. I mean, massive, <laughs> massive UFC news. Um, what's, Charles what's Oliveira has backed out of his fight versus. Islam. Did he really? Did he really? And Volkanovski is replacement. Oh, Islam my God. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so, so hyped. Um, oh, so uh, oh, Volkanovski's gonna face uh, Islam. Yeah, Volk's still replacement. So Islam versus Volk, too. It's going to be the rematch. Oh, so, oh, so, a rematch? A rematch? The rematch? Yeah, it's about time. I'm excited. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they were arguably saying that Volk could have won that match, so that's that's pretty interesting, actually. I think he did. I, it was close. It was did they say close. why he withdrew? No, I, I, I literally just went on wow. swipe. Three people texted me in the massive. past two minutes. That is, that is, you're right. That is absolutely massive news for UFC. Well, that is like the biggest I mean, I, like, give the people what they want, though. Like, like Volk versus Islam as a... Uh, as a rematch, is uh, nobody nobody's gonna bat an eye on that rematch. Everything yeah, is on the line. Be good stuff there. All right, we also had the Indianapolis Colts going to Jacksonville. Three and two Colts, three and two Jags. The Jacksonville Jaguars are favored at minus four with an over under at forty five and a half. And with this, if you're asking me, what do I think is gonna happen? It was a real tough one. Um, I think with Gardner Minshew, it looks like he will be starting in this game at this moment. The Richardson is ruled out already. So um, with Gardner Minshew, with uh, a healthier Jonathan Taylor in a second game, and with Jacksonville, we've seen can be vulnerable on defense. I think the Indianapolis Colts gets this upset and they're going to get the victory. So they will be able to get those points there easily and uh, win that bet. And if you're asking me an over-under, give me under 45 and a half. Yeah, I'm going I'm going Jacksonville with the points and the spread, um, but I'm going the under tip. Yeah, um, so we were just talking about it earlier, um, and Hayden mentioned it. Um, I would think it was completely unfair that Jacksonville had two straight games in London. However, coming back to the States, playing this game is going to hurt them. I have the Colts outright, and I think the Colts are going to sneakily dominate this game. Um, wow. I don't see it like that, but um, I could understand your, your reasoning. But I think Trevor Lawrence is going to play really well in this game. I think I, it's going to be an under game, but I, I do think it's going to be an under game. 
Yeah. Like I just I I just don't think the Colts going to score too many points in this game. I'll, I'll go like I'll go like 20 26 13 Jacksonville. So, yeah, I I get and like I I think it's going to be an under game too. I just think the ground game is going to dominate this week. I think um a mixture of fatigue. You're you've been in over you've been overseas. Yeah, so. no, I mean two two straight weeks for for then come back to the states is tough. It's tough. Yeah. And 10 to 10 to 12 like, days. I'm not, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Absolutely. And I, I just really think they're going to be a little tired. And I think this Colts offensive line and run game is going to wear them down in the first half versus the second half. I really think it's going to be, um, I think the, they're just going to roll over. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same vein as you guys. I think the Colts are going to win this game. Um, you know, Jacksonville's, you got their fatigue, but I think they're also catching them off guard. Um, I expect, you know, a high stakes, high shootout affair. Uh, I'm definitely going to go over on the on the spread as well. Um, I think the Colts will probably win something like a 34-31. Uh, I'm sorry, like a 34-24 type of game. All right, we have the Carolina Panthers going up against the Miami Dolphins. Carolina at 0-5, Miami 4-1. All right, the spread is minus 13 and a half, which isn't the biggest spread of the week. Um, the over-under is 48 and a half. And you know what? Though I don't think the Panthers' defense is as... In, it, though, well, actually, let me say this. Inept? Though the, well, of course, they're not inept. And the Giants' defense showed um, they were able to get some turnovers on them. But I do think... I'm going to take the risky spread at minus 13 and a half. And I think they can win by two touchdowns and be overwhelming against the Panthers, where we have a team that is clearly ready to win now and a team that is rebuilding. And it seems like it's taking a, it's taking a sweet time, if you know what I mean. So give me the Miami Dolphins winning by two touchdowns, even with the injury to the chain. And, um, could be able to do all right there. I have yeah, my, I'm going to take Miami with the money line, and I'm going to take, uh, but I'm going to take uh, the Panthers with the spread. And um, I think this game is going hard to say. I'll take the over, I guess, for this game. I'm definitely taking. What was the over, Matt? Forty-eight and a half right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a little high for my liking. I I would go under. Yeah, I I, I agree for, for I this, but I yeah. but I think Miami will dominate. I see a thirty fourteen type of game, Miami. The reason I'm taking the over is because I think there's going to be a lot of garbage time in that game oh, for, for Bryce Young. So that's yeah. why I'm taking the over in that game. But like, it's forty eight and a half is a really high number. So I would I probably like in theory you should take the under. But I'm I'm I mean the reason I'm taking the over is because because the garbage time. I think I think the price will score some points and go in garbage time. I I do I do agree with that. I do like the over in this game, uh, even though it's that high. One play I really like, even though it's one of the highest team totals I saw in a long time, is the Miami Dolphins team totals at thirty-one and a half. Um, I think the Dolphins score five touchdowns. I think they may even score six touchdowns. They might even score seven touchdowns. I think they might <laughs> cover the over by themselves. Um, I, I yeah. do like Miami in dominant fashion and. Um, Carolina's defense hasn't been great, especially on the road early on the season. Mixed with some turnovers that offense is going to force, uh, our defense is going to force. I, I really have Miami in like a 42-14, 42-7 final. Yep. I agree. Eat it up. Eat it up. Let's talk about 
more bad teams. So the Minnesota Vikings are going to Chicago this weekend. Minnesota at one and four, Chicago at one and four. The line is minus two and a half for Minnesota. The over-under is 44 and a half. I do think points can be scored in this game, especially from Chicago. That over-under might be... Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. And especially if they are ready to start trading assets, the Chicago Bears. Um, very interesting... I'm gonna get the. I'm gonna say the Bears get their second win of the season at home, and you know, first game post Dick Buckus's passing should be emotional in that place, and they want to uh, represent well. While the Vikings with um, no just Jefferson with um, problems on their run game, with Kirk Cousins figuring out who is this man, what does he do, where is he going? I think the Bears actually take advantage of a t- of a franchise still figuring themselves out, and they'll be able to put some points to get them, give the upset to the Bears, plus two and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Bears in this game as well. With the, with the spread, I, I, I'm taking the over too. Yeah, I'm staying away from the total in this game. I, I don't really know if there's going to be a ton of points or not. I think the Bears are a team where it's tough. But I got the Bears winning out, right? I'm um, staying away from the over-under. Um, I, I do think Minnesota, like I mentioned earlier, um, sent a message to their locker room. Um, and I think Chicago, you know, Justin Fields is getting some swagger back that was at Ohio State. Two weeks ago against Denver, he played a great football game. Um, they fell short. But then last week, he balled out again against Washington. I think we're going to see a third straight week of Justin Fields having another great performance. Um, and I think I the Bears win this game outright. Yeah, I agree with Nico and everything. Yeah. I agree with you guys as well. I think this is somewhere around a 2013 type of game. I think both offenses are anemic. I don't think there's going to be a lot of garbage time to dilly-dally. Um, but, you know, these, these division games are tough to pick because I think the margin of, of error is so slim. I mean, margin of victory is so slim. So I'm going to stick around a 20 to uh, 13 type of game. Chicago. The San Francisco 49ers are going to Cleveland. How about that? 5-0 49ers and the 2-2 two and two Cleveland Browns. Cleveland only opening at minus 5.5. Over-under is only 37.5. So it looks like it's going to rain in this game. Um, That's add that factor in there. The over-under? I'll yes. take the over on that. Take, take the over. For sure. I, I think. Th- Ooh, yeah. We'd love to hear. So, I mean, uh, I, I think San Francisco is going to prove why they're San Francisco and they're going to dominate this game once again. And I, I have, like, one of those old-school, like, 24 nothing possible shutout final, which is rare, but maybe, like, a 24-3. Um, mm. Browns kick, like, a little field goal towards the end. Oh, so you think the under is going to hit then? I do. I, I, I would I personally think um, the one bet I do like in this game a lot is Browns team total under, which – I want to say it's like 16 and a half. Um, I don't remember correctly. I was looking at it earlier this week. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think this game is going to be 33-10, the, the San Francisco 49ers. No, yeah, I, I, I do think. So I'll, take and- spread, I'll take the spread and I'll take the Niners in this game. Like I think I think San Francisco is going to continue to dominate because they just have, they, they have too much talent on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't necessarily think Cleveland is, is physical enough at this point, but they actually actually Cleveland has pretty good defense, so I don't know. I'll take the spread and the over 
Um, I, I see a similar dominant fashion. I see San Fran somewhere around like a 35 to six, basically. 16 so, and a half was the number. Great bet. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the next game on the docket? So this is interesting for Hayden, who talked about the Saints maybe being a sneaky team out here that could put up points. Yeah, definitely. So they play the Houston. They So the New Orleans Saints are going to play the Houston Texans. And he, the Saints are opening at minus one and a half with the over-under being 42 minus and a half. One and a half. Wow. That's, uh, I'll take the Saints on that. Give me the Saints, Saints with the spread and Saints with the money line. And I think I'm going to go over on that too. I think there's going to be a lot of points in that game. Carver Stroud should score some points. I do agree with Hayden. I think there's going to be a lot of points. Uh, this one's tough to tell. I really think it's a coin flip. Obviously, Vegas set and spread out one and a half makes it a coin flip. But um, I, I do think it's going to be one of those games that's going to be high scoring. I think either team could pull it out late. But I think if one team pulls it out, it will be the Saints. No, I mean, like I said, like these are like um, – like the NFC stats look you pretty good, actually. Like you have three teams that are actually going to be in the mix all year. Atlanta should be in the mix all year. Um, New Orleans, I like, and I think Tampa is going to be a lot better than people think. So you got three, you got three teams actually that, that could win a eight, eight or more games actually. So it's going to be interesting. I'm yeah, actually going to go with um, the Houston Texans getting this upset over them. I think oh, well. they could get back in their winning ways, especially the home factor. I, I mean, I I can't I can't fault you. Always see your shots, please. I can't fault you at home. No. Yeah, and they've been particularly been very well uh, this season. So um, I think that's one of the major factors here. And as long as they're able to, um, as long as they're able to get some points, they'll be able to get it. You got to pick Alex. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm taking Houston in a tight game as well. Um, so I'm seeing something around uh, thirty to twenty-seven. I think. They'll, they'll cover the money line. All right. The four o'clock games. The New England Patriots are going to Vegas. We have the four, one and four New England Patriots play the two and three Las Vegas Raiders. So we have the spread at minus three. Three even for the New England. Nah, just kidding. The uh, spread <laughs> is minus three and a half. No. The spread is minus three for the Vegas Raiders. The over-under is just 41. On this 75-degree day in the Dome, what's going to happen? Give me the Raiders and the points at minus three, and it's going to be a very uncomfortable close game where I will just take the under. I, I could see them. I could see it being like a... 20 like a I can see it being 20 to 17 and uh, killing you on that over under number but um it should be interesting especially with a very weak offense with the Patriots and a defense that could take advantage of of uh teams at home like we just saw on Monday I think um the Raiders can uh, give false hope to uh, Alex and get another victory and go 500 after the first six weeks. I don't have hope, so I'm not worried about it. Um, (laughs) I see somewhere somewhere around a 20 to 17 type of game for Oakland uh, for a win. Yeah. I mean, this game is like, I feel like when it was two terrible offenses and you expect it, that there to be few points. I feel like this is a type of game that will surprise everyone and go over. 
Like I feel like the NFL does that too all the time, where if you think one thing is going to happen one way, and it does the complete opposite. So I'll take the I'll take the over in this game. Um, I <laughs> this could be Jacoby Myers revenge game versus New England. I don't know why they they let go of him in the first place. Um, but you know, joke. Um, they chose Juju Smith. Stupid. Yeah, I, I, I stupid, don't really understand that. Stupid. Place, but um, we'll, we'll take we'll take we'll take Vegas with the spread and uh, and Vegas with the. Uh, Vegas with the with the points. Yeah, no, I I have Vegas winning this game. Um, I have it pretty comfortably. Um, I, I don't I think it's any comfortable now. I, I I think it is. I, I think Mac I, Jones going to come out and play well. Actually, this game. I don't. I I I think Mac Jones' confidence is completely gone. I think this offense is trusting Mac Jones is completely gone. Um, I, I really think the Raiders win this game. Not like in dominant. I, I just think it's, um. You're not sweating the three and a half. I'm gonna put it that way. I have the Raiders winning this game by two possessions. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks recently, like with their backs against the wall, play pretty well. Um, like the Raiders, for example, last week, um, we saw Zach Wilson with the walls giving and play pretty good versus Kansas City. Um, I think this is, could be a game in which Mac Jones actually plays pretty well. Correct, but the difference with all those teams and Mac Jones is those teams actually have weapons that can, I think, can make things happen. Yeah, versus true. the Patriots yeah, sure. don't have. Yeah, the Patriots don't have anything. But I also think the the Raiders' defense is pretty weak, but. We'll see. I'm just happy the Raiders aren't prime time. What do the Raiders fan have to say? <laughs> oh well, if yeah, if you, if you want an easy, if you want an easy win, um, go play the Raiders. Um, but no, I think I think the the Patriots are they're shattered, they're pretty broken right now, um, which is why I think that the Raiders will win a tight game because you can count. To keep games close. Raiders are so shattered and easy win. You could be three and three. You win that game. So obviously not. So you know. <laughs> no, I'm saying New England's shattered. Yeah, New England. I'm just I'm just saying generally, you know, like the with the, you know, the crap on the Raiders. They could be three and three with this win. So, you know. Yeah, but you got McDaniels at the helm, so <laughs> Yeah, that's true, actually. You know. <laughs> Alex, what do you think of Mark Davis's new girlfriend at twenty six years old? Hey, you're twenty five, right? Oh, I didn't I did not know that until he just told me that. So that's interesting. Um you know, yeah, he's dating a Cirque de Soleil dancer. We'll talk about that more. We'll talk about that more. Hopefully, we get these definitely picks not it's getting it's getting a little late. So I want to I want to get these picks done quick. Yeah, yeah. She's not dating for looks. She's got the Helen Keller vibe. So all right, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Mark Davis was like, "I choose you. Look at all my money." <laughs> playing the um, playing these slots at the airport. So we have the Detroit Lions going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Detroit minus three over under is 44 points. Give a dominant victory, continuing the undefeated home record. And uh, the Detroit Lions put the beat down on a very impressive Tampa Bay Bucks team. But I think Detroit's going to continue offensive dominance. This is a this is a tough one for me. Um, I think it's the best game of the week, actually. I think Tampa Bay is looking really good. Um, I think they, 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 it's 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 interesting. You got a quarterback with Moxie with Baker Mayfield, and then you got a coach with Moxie at Dan Campbell. So it's gonna be fun personalities. A really cool game to watch. Um, I don't really know actually in this game. I think I'll go under, but part of me wants to take Detroit, um, but part of me also wants to take Tampa Bay. Um, I don't know, man. I <laughs> I think I'm gonna take Tampa Bay out outright in this game. I think this is one of the games in which Detroit's going to lose. Like, I think Detroit will still win like eleven or twelve games, but I think this is one of the games in which Detroit's going to lose to Tampa. Actually, 
I 100% agree. Um, I, I think this is also one of my, arguably my favorite game of the whole entire week, um, whole entire weekend. I, I'm so excited for this game. Um, I have the Bucks winning outright. Um, I, like you said, I do think the Lions are going to get their wins, going to get 12, maybe even 13 wins, but this is one of the yeah, games. They're going to be gonna... really good. I just think this is a game which, this is this is a game which people are going to real, finally realize how good, how I feel like they're going to realize that they're going to start to go board the, the Baker Mayfield hype train. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I completely agree. I, I really think this is a game where um, people realize Tampa Bay is not a joke this year and Tampa Bay is going to be legit. Um, you know, obviously you don't have Tom Brady. You're still a team. You can still compete. Um, I really think they do prove that this Sunday and beat Detroit. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in lockstep with you guys on this one. Um, and I think they cover as well. All right, we have the Arizona Cardinals playing the Los Angeles Rams. Cardinals are going to Los Angeles. And this, the over-under number here is um, 48 and a half. I think the Rams are going to be able to get that risky cover at minus seven. And um, I think give the under, though, in uh, points. Yeah, I'll, I'll give the uh, Rams with the cover. And, uh, and um, yeah, I'll take the under as well. Um, I, I actually like the over, um, but I, I think the Rams dominate. I, I do think the Rams absolutely dominate this game from start to finish. Um, I do think Arizona will get a few late touchdowns, but overall the Rams are going to win this game by 14-plus. I have the exact same thing, actually. <laughs> I think it's going to be like a uh, late couple touchdowns for the Cardinals, but the Rams are going to dominate in uh, bounce-back fashion. All right, another primetime game for your New York Jets. They're playing at home. They're hosting the 5-0 Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are undefeated against the Jets in their in their regular season series. 12-0. So the spread is Philly at minus seven, over under 41. Ooh, all right. All right. Give me – I'm, I'm – you know what? I'm only doing this because I want the Jets to win. So I'm not doing this because I, I'm not doing this because I think it's the right thing to do. But I will take the Jets outright in this game. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shock people. I'm taking the Jets outright in this game. Philly's got to lose some games. Philly's got to lose some games. I don't think they're gonna go undefeated. Um, every year there's a head scratching game in which they lose. I think Zach Wilson plays good in this game. Give me the Jets in this game. 28-24 Jets. Wow. Outright. Shocking. Uh-huh. I know people are gonna, people are gonna. Cut my head off for that one, but I'm taking the Jets. I'm taking the Jets. I, I will do it one time. One time. I think your background head off for you. <laughs> uh, I like the Jets in this game too. Um, again, Eagles. They've been playing these tight. Games. Oh, don't 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 be stupid. Take the Eagles in this game. Don't be stupid. I'm 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 only no, doing that. Oh, I'm, I'm genuinely look. I've I've seen enough tape the past few weeks to convince me that I think that the Jets can hang in there with this team. And Oh, Jets can hang in there, but don't take them straight up to, to win. They don't, well, don't be. I'm going, well, I'm going to, so stop interrupting me. Oh, um, you're, you're crazy. You're crazy. I, okay. I got I got Jets um, around a 24-21 type of game. You're, you're, no, I, you're, uh, you're, you're living dangerously, but, you know. <laughs> I, I have a very low-scoring game. Um, I do think there's going to be some turnovers by both sides. I think it's going to be a sloppy game. Um, I didn't check the forecast of what it's going to be exactly. I, I, I don't think it's going to rain. I don't think so. Yeah, I really don't look into it. I, 61 I, degrees I, and partly cloudy. Okay, yeah. so football weather. Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be um, – um, a low-scoring game, but I think the odds makers got it right. I have uh, the Eagles win this game by exactly seven. I'm thinking like, <laughs> uh, 
at least one of us is smart. <laughs> I'm thinking like a 2013 final um, is my early read on this game. Um, and and I, I, I really think I'm going to be very close with that score. Sorry, yeah. Alex, I'm just busting your ball, so don't, you know. <laughs> Give me, give me the, uh, give me the Jets spread at plus seven, but the Eagles are going to win this game. And for an over under, give me the under there. I think it's going to be closer than people think. For Sunday night, and again, that should be flexed out for a lot of reasons. But we have the one and four New York Giants playing the three and two Buffalo Bills. Oh, this biggest is spread night. of the week. The Bills are favorited by 14 total points, over under at 45. Hmm. All right. I guess if you were going to ask me what's going to happen in a team that has such a hard time scoring, reckon now they have a injured Buffalo Bills defense to go up against. Um, you know, give me the under here. I think they'll go under 45 points. And... Though I will pick the Giants plus 14 and a half because I do think the Bills are worse than the Dolphins and they were very close to covering the 12 and a half point spread. They lost by only 15. I think um, I think they're going to get that, but I think they would only win by like 13, 12, maybe even hit that 14 number. But yes, give me the plus 14 points for the Giants, but give me under 45. Um, I, I just want to, first off, uh, before I do anything about my take for this game, I want to apologize to Alex um, <laughs> speaking about the Raiders and their primetime. Get the New York Giants out of primetime, please. Do every, if I if I see this team on another 8-20 kickoff game, I'm going to just get a baseball bat and smash my TV. This team stinks. The organization, sorry, Matt. Stinks. No, you're not wrong. Get this team out of primetime. I, I made that take with the Raiders without realizing the Giants are in primetime this week. I don't mean to go on a little rain here, but the fact that this is Sunday night football is absolutely absurd. I'm going to watch this <laughs> offensive line embarrass themselves again on primetime television. I just can't believe I have to listen to Chris Collinsworth talk about how he was a tight end back in the 80s. In the third quarter. It's gonna be that one sided. Uh, Bills are going to dominate this game. We're going to see again. It's not all Daniel Jones. I, I, we're going to say the same conversation next week. You know, he's running for his life every single play. And I don't know how many times the NFL is going to – it's like there's, it's, it's like that uh movie, like uh, – I forget, like Bird Box, when like they're like making yeah. their eyes like wide open. That's what they're making us do with the New York Giants. They're making us watch this game. They're forcing it. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll probably be watching MLB playoffs, to be honest with you. Um, I just think this game is going to be a big, big old turd. And um, they should have flexed the Jacksonville Colts game in here. Or Detroit Buccaneers. Yeah, this isn't gonna be. This is gonna suck. There's can't even make prop bets on it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the uh, I'll take the Giants with the with the with the spread, but I think the the Bills gonna take. Uh, Bills gonna win the money line. I'll All go right, like I'll go like thirty to seventeen. What's the spread again? Fourteen. Yeah, I'll go thirty seventeen Bills. Even though my favorite spread of all time is New England minus fourteen Super Bowl forty two, but this is not that Giants team. Uh, okay, Monday night, pretty solid game actually. We have the Dallas Cowboys at three and two going up against the two and two Los Angeles Chargers. The spread here is just Dallas at minus two. The over under is at fifty one. In what will be definitely a Dallas Cowboys home game because there's no Charger fans whatsoever. 
I think the Chargers are actually going to defeat and uh, get the upset against the Cowboys. And uh, going off a a, a bye week, it looks like Austin Eckler is going to be making his return for this game. And um, I think this is going to be a real challenge for Dallas that they will not be able to overcome. And for an over-under, give me under the 51. Yeah, I'll take the under and I'll take Dallas in this game actually over uh, LA. I just I just slightly trust Mike McCarthy more than I trust Brandon Staley. Um, and I trust their staff a little bit more at Dallas than I do um, with the Chargers. So give me the uh, Chargers. No, give me the um, Dallas money line and uh, give me an under spread. Under points. Um, yeah, th- this is one of those games that I had highlighted coming into the season. Um, one of my regular season games I was really excited for. I was very high on the Chargers. I had them winning the AFC West and still think they can arguably win the AFC title. Um, I think we learn a lot on Monday Night Football with these two teams. I think it's an interesting spot for both of them. Um, Cowboys obviously coming off a big loss. Chargers coming off a bye. Um, I'm very, very excited for this matchup. I do think Dallas is going to win this game, and it's going to be a close, close game. Um I think one team's going to have the ball um, late in the fourth quarter, and it's just whoever makes the big play is going to end up winning this football game. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's a both it, it, both teams need victory, I think, um, and both teams are really bad in prime time. So it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. But I think uh, Dallas will prevail uh, very slightly at the end, uh, somewhere around a 27-24 type of game. <clears throat> All right. Excellent work, everybody. Let's see how week six goes. It's going to be a good one. See you later, Alex, Nico, and Hayden. Good job. Incredible stuff, Hayden, Nico, and Alex. Great job, as always. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding the show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter next at Prod Convo Pod, and we're on Facebook at Productive Conversations and TikTok at Productive Conversations. We are back at it tomorrow with another college football show. The Battle of the Red River was a classic between Texas and Oklahoma. Nice stuff there. Colorado go back got back into their winner. Colorado got back into their winning ways. Uh, we sold on Michigan. Georgia Tech upset the U. Notre Dame looked like they they uh, destroyed their hopes for playing in the college football playoff. And um, we had a lot of other fun things that took place over the past week. And there is definitely a lot to talk about with Nico and Alex on that one. So we're looking forward to that. That will drop tomorrow. And then we have another tweet cap on Friday after that. So exciting, fun stuff ahead. So quite a week we've had experienced already. So let's at least try to end off strong. So it'll be a good time, no doubt. And let us enjoy the fall weather as the leaves are slowly starting to change for real. And we're getting that crisp fall feeling that we all love here in the Northeast. So with that, I want to thank Hayden Nadler, Nico Nocera, and Alex Renelio for an incredible job on the show today. I want to thank Alex DeJesus, a.k.a. Doloren, who, by the way, celebrated a birthday earlier this week. You don't know how much you mean to this show, how much you mean to this audience, and you truly are the heart and soul of this whole thing. I hope you had a wonderful birthday, Alex, and I really hope that I can soon celebrate your birthday and celebrate all the great things you do in due time because you do deserve so much, man. Thank you so much for what you do for the show. I love you, bro. And we all love you. 
and thank you for the great work. So happy birthday to Dolo there. And I also want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for always supporting us no matter what and being the very best audience in the world. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I'll be seeing you tomorrow to talk all things college football. All right, see you then. Peace.